Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions, an opportunity for you to get a seat at the table. We've got many champions here at the breakfast table, starting with Stephen Kuhn, Joy Farley, Dr. Rowe, Darian Sanders, Lauren Lavender, and many more. Glenn Lundy believes that if you can change the way people start their day, it'll make a massive impact in their life. So let's pull up a seat and let's join in on Breakfast with Champions. Very specifically, money, this whole week, money. And I've heard it already today say your, your network is your net worth. Now that is a really cool saying. It rolls off the tongue. It's beautiful. But let me ask you this. How many of you are actually making money and generating revenue through your networks? You don't have to answer me because I already know. Very few of you. Um, and this just goes all the way up. You know, as a, as a consultant back in the day, as an advisor now in the M&A space, even in the investment fund space, you would be astonished at the people at the level that they play and they're not generating revenue from their network. The number one question I get from anyone I talk to, whether it's politicians or business people, even, even rock stars, and like, how do I leverage my network? Because I know so many people, and how do I actually generate revenue? And first of all, everything that I'm about to describe, I do it on a daily basis. So that, but the key to being successful in this way is basing the entire process on everything you do, which is a hot mic. Making this work is to base everything on in the entire process on hit and creating space. Now, hit, if you've read the book, Unleash Your Humble Alpha, you can get it at humblealphabook.com, is honesty, integrity, and transparency. Honesty with yourself, why you do what you do, say what you say, think what you think. Transparency is how you step into the world with that honesty, and it's your ongoing reputation. The byproduct, of course, is integrity. Now, honesty with yourself is so key because when you're honest with yourself, and I mean unabatingly, brutally hard honest with yourself. You, it's impossible to be impossible to be dishonest with other people. So it's not it's not about worrying about if you're being honest with someone. It's only about worrying about if you're honest with yourself. And once you have that foundation down the core principles, we talk about creating space. Now, creating space is probably the most powerful um, sort of concept that we talk about in the book. And creating space is really simple. You show up to every conversation even here in, in Clubhouse, on stage as a keynote speaker, in a meeting with your employees, with your husband or your wife, your partner or significant other, with one intention and one intention only, and that's to add value by solving their problems, right? Now, the hard part is letting go of the outcome. You cannot control the outcome. Forget about it. If you try and control the outcome in a sales meeting, you're going to look like a salesperson. You're going to feel like a salesperson because they're going to feel you trying to push past what they're saying to get what you want. So the first rule of creating space is focus on the intention because that's the only thing that you can control. The outcome is it doesn't matter. I'm going to get, get into why it doesn't matter in a second. Okay, so the creating space, use it every day, use it everywhere you go in every company. As soon as you go into a conversation, just clear your mind, put everything you know in your mind, all preconceived notions, cookie cutter solutions and expectations, put them aside into a toolbox and only pull them out when you need them. The statement that we have is you, there's two ways to look at expectations. One, you either have an expectation, you verbalize it and agree upon it with the other party or parties. And number two is you don't have an expectation. That way it's literally either everyone knows or there is none. And that, and then you're never in trouble and you, you're ne never uh, disappointed. 
So when you go into a conversation, any kind of kind of conversation, whether it's with my wife or it's with a business partner or a, an investor, it doesn't matter. I'm always providing a service in one way or the other. Right. And in that service is has to be tied to seeking a solution for them. So it doesn't matter if my wife's like, hey, I got this issue. All right. I'm already looking for a solution now. Um, I know sometimes I think it was Glenn was talking about that. Is, is this a you need an answer discussion or is this a I'm supposed to listen discussion? Right. <laughs> so you got to, you, you know, you got to get around those as well. And so some people believe that generating revenue from your network isn't proper. They think it's leveraging. It's like, oh, well, you know, I know them and their friends and things like that. But when I explain it to you this way, I'm going to change your mind. So as an example, if Joe wants X and I know Jane, who has X, they both win, don't they? So Joe gets what he needs, Jane, and Jane has a new customer or client. That's excellent. That's exactly, it's perfect. And neither would have gotten this without my connecting them. Now, the art of it is all, of course, how do you make that happen? So when Joe asked if you know someone who can paint his house, that's not a big deal. You simply go to your house painter and let them know you have a possible client. And if they have capacity, if they say it's okay and they're ready to roll and you've cleared it up with him, you simply ask for a 10% commission on the contract. If they say no to you, then you know never to work with them again because that's scarcity mindset at its best. If they're not willing to give you a small commission for you getting them a job as painting someone's house, well, then you know scarcity mindset. They're, they're not about to be an addition to your wealthy network, if you will, right? So remember, you're only suggesting people who you know have integrity can deliver and respond to any introduction. And you confirm this when you speak with them. So if I'm going to introduce, you know, Jane to, to Joe, I'm going to talk to Jane. Say, look, I'm going to introduce you to somebody. They're going to, they have a contract that they need. I know you can fulfill the contract. We've already spoken about it. Will you respond to the message as soon as I send it so that they see we're on, we're, we're on top of the ball? And I would only do that if I knew Jane personally and had experienced her service or had a friend who experienced her service who I trust and has integrity. So I'm not just out there trying to make money from people, anybody. There's people in my, in my network who I, who I won't refer because of past experiences, as an example. So here's the trick. Deliver the solution first, always. And this is how I do it in the M&A space. Mergers and acquisitions, acqu you know, acquiring and exiting companies, selling companies. So I'm going to give, give you an example, a tangible example, a few of them of how I do this. This might be a little bit of a um, higher level, but it works for anything. And I'll get into that in a second. So I had, a, I had an Austrian company come to me here. As some of you know, I live in Hungary. They're right next door and said, look, we want to take our product to America and sell it to the U.S. government. And it was a specific kind of product that had to be, if sold to the American government, had to be manufactured in America. So he needed a manufacturer a distributor and a government contractor. He had no contacts in America. So I said, give me a week. I go away. I called all of my friends in the, in the military government space in, in that specific uh, market. And I came up with a manufacturer who looked at the product, said they can manufacture it, said they're interested. I got a distributor who said, oh man, I got buyers for this. Not a problem at all. Talked to the government contractor and he said, yeah, well, we can get this in for sure. It'll take a while, but we can get it in. So I had three solutions for his three problems. I went back to him and said, all right, these were your three problems. Here are the three solutions. They're already vetted. They've spoken to you. They're longtime friends and colleagues and business partners of mine. They're ready to roll. What was his question? What do you think his question was? How can we do this? Right? 
This is where the magic comes. You see what I did is I made sure that he had no questions at all. He had, so he had problems. I had the solutions. Matter of fact, I killed it with the solutions. And he said, how's this going to work? And I said, look, the manufacturer is one thing. The distributor, they're going to make a lot of money for you. And the government contractor, we don't need to talk about how big government contracts are. So what I'm, what I'm asking for is a 20K in, in introduction fee to all three instead of 10 per each, right? And then after that, I, I would, you know, I need a retainer for at least three months of 8K a month in order to facilitate these deals, set, set up the, the communication, set up the CRMs, whatever it is that you, you need to be set up, bring you guys together, make sure the deal is flowing. And then for, the, for any sales made through the distribution partner that I introduced you to and future distribution partners, because there's more that I will introduce you to, I would like a 3% commission of all sales for the next five years. And in order to show you that I'm going to make this happen for you and have massive skin in the game, how about 10% equity? So he sat there and he said, well, man, uh, and he actually came to my little village here in Hungary. And he said, uh, yeah, let's do it. But let's, let's go down a little bit on, on the equity. And I was like, okay, what do you got? And he said, okay, give me, how about 7.5%? It's like, I'm fine with that. I said, okay, I'll draw up the paperwork and uh, I'll send it to you. He said, no, you're, we're here now. Go over and print it. So I left the restaurant, came over here, printed it out. He came over and uh, transferred on his phone. He transferred the, uh, the 20K immediately. So what did I do there? I created from my network, three people in my network now have a contract, the manufacturer, the distributor, and the government contractor. So I made them happy. A fourth person needed solutions. I provided those solutions. Now, why in the heck wouldn't I get paid for that? Why wouldn't I get paid for that, right? So what I did there was immediate revenue, right? Then I had short-term revenue, which so the immediate revenue was the upfront fee. Short-term revenue was a three months retainer. And then I had long-term revenue, which was the five years of commissions. And then I had an exit strategy, which was the 5% equity, which I have a clause in there. Um, number one is drag and tag, meaning if they sell their company, I get dragged along and I have 5% of the new company. And also um, a three-year a three -year exit option for myself at the then current valuation. Now that sounds complicated. So let me break it down for you even easier. So you, I, I recently had a, a person come to me and uh, he said, look, I have this company. We're growing really fast. We have a lot of contracts. We went from 700,000 to 1.5 million to 2 million in three months, each month. But we don't have enough uh, employees to do the work. We need to hire somebody. We need a loan. We need an investor. I said, no, you don't. You need subcontractors. So I, ho I hooked him up with that idea to go get subcontractors. He went out, took him about three weeks. He got enough subcontractors, got even more business up to 4 million in the next month and said, now I, I don't have any money to pay for the materials to feed the subcontractors. I need an investor. And I said, well, that's going to take a little time, but let's set you up with a line of credit. So I set him up with a line of credit with a friend of mine in the States, and he got him a line of credit literally in 32 minutes, right? So he had it down and done in 32 minutes. And then he said, okay, man, this is awesome. Now that I have this line of credit, now that we're moving, I'm making all this money. I want to reinvest it, and I want to scale. I want to grow my company through acquisition. How do we do this? Immediately, within a week, we found a company to purchase. We structured the deal. We did an analysis of, of the company. And now I did the analysis through another person in my, in my network. And now he's, he's, he's acquiring this company that does $14 million. He's, he's acquiring it for $3 million down through a loan with a 300 k down payment that he's getting through a loan through another banker. Every single piece of that pie I put together for him. So what's he doing? One, he's signing up him and his three leaders for the Humble Alpha Paradigm Upgrade Advisory Program, which myself and my co-author Lane hold for leaders and their teams. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, that's about a 45K investment. And then I have 10% equity in this company, in the new company that he's acquiring, and the company's moving forward. For what? For doing the work first, for solving the problems immediately. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of people say, well, you can't give them the answers right away because then they're going to run away and do it themselves. Well, you don't do that, do you? You give them the solution, but not who's going to do it for you until you have an agreement. All right. Another one is this real simple for anyone out there who wants a website or a landing page or whatever it is. So I have a, I have a friend, really, really good guy. He does amazing work online and he does landing pages and websites and uh, VSLs and all that kind of stuff. He said, Steve, I need to make you a new one. You're, you don't have one because I don't use that stuff. And uh, he said, I said, look, I'm not going to pay for it, but uh, le let me get you referrals. How, how many referrals do you need to make this re you know, reality for me to, to do my page? He said three. It happened in three days. I got on three referrals in three days. Now, I didn't go out looking for that. This is where the intention comes in. I set the intention, okay, I want to get this page done for myself. And for therefore, I need three referrals. And it just so happens, literally, on the next day, I had two guys call me. Hey, do you know someone who can do my landing page and re revamp my website? Boom, there you go. One, two, three, done. He did my landing page for free. Three of these people got a service that, that, that they needed, and he got a nice paycheck from those three people. And I got what I wanted as well. Now, the same thing can happen. Look, if, for instance, if I know someone who's living around Scott Simons, I'm like, Steve, do you, know, do you know where I can buy a car? And I'd be like, what are you looking for? And he would tell me. I'd call Scott. Hey, Scott, I got my buddy. He's in your area. He's looking for a car. He's looking for this, that, and that, and that. And he's, is it, can, can you fulfill that need? And I'll be like, yeah, I, I can fulfill that need. Like, Good. How, how about a 10% or a 5%? I don't know what the commission is for a car, but a 5 or 10% commission once he goes over to you and closes the deal. I know Scott would say yes, right? Now, this is how you get the immediate, short-term, long-term revenue and equity, what I just went through. Some of these things are just one-time payment. Some of these things are equity payments. Now, let me explain to you how referrals can turn into equity. So there's a company that I work with. They did, a, they did a service for us. I referred them over the last eight months about 10 to 15 clients. I always got 10%, as you know. So I got 10% commission from everything that they, that they brought in. Their, their, their lowest ticket is 10K. So that's 1,000 bucks. That's $15,000 I made just by referring people. And I approached her and I said, hey, um, you know, I've, I've referred you 15 people now. And there's a lot more out there. Why don't we talk about some equity? And she suggested how's 10%. And I said, that's fine. As long as I can keep the 10% commission. She goes, deal, let's do it. So now I own 10% in the company that I have no operational you know, responsibility whatsoever. I just keep sending them referrals. So you see that path of providing value, solving problems, right? It makes it, it makes people want to come back to you, especially when you base it on hit, honesty, integrity, and transparency, right? So I, I just wanted to put this out there because so many people ask me at the highest levels, my network is my net worth. I can't hear that anymore because most people say it, but it, they, they, they don't acknowledge it and they don't generate revenue. So I just gave you some tangible tips on how to generate revenue in your network. And I'm going to wrap it up with this. Base it all on hit your entire life. Base it on hit honesty, integrity, transparency. Always be creating space. Listen to what they say and hear exactly what they need, what they mean. Discover the exact needs that they have and then fulfill those by finding the solutions. And then you return to them with a finished solution, lock, stock and barrel. And after they agree, yes, I love the solution. You present what I call the fair exchange. So that's my session for today. I know it helped you. Now you just got to go out and do it. Remember, never ask for anything 
ahead of time. Pay me now and I'll do this later. No way. What do you need? Let me see if I can do it. I'll come back. Here's a solution. Now you can pay me. Boom. How's that sound, everybody? I want to leave about 10 minutes for everyone to ask questions because I, I know there's probably going to be some. So have at it, my friends. Stephen, that was an awesome, awesome share. You just uh, gave a master class on your network is your network. And if anybody didn't take notes and take something away from that, that was invaluable. What, what you just shared. Thank you so much for sharing that with, with me and everybody else in this room. Uh, a great share. Thank you, my friend. Thanks. Thank, uh, thank you, brother. Let's talk about that car. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we got for questions. I got a question. Good morning, Stephen. How do you respond? I think, first off, great information. But from a business standpoint, your example of putting companies together. I get that. Makes sense. Love it. Page of notes. But how do you respond when people say, well, wait a minute, if my friend needs a painter, and I'm referring a painter, they're my friend, you know, getting the painter to pay you, uh, again, isn't that, uh, some people might look at that as saying, but you're just doing somebody a favor, but you're, you're making, you know, again, make not, your friend's not paying you, but some people might look at that as like, hey, I'm just referring a painter to my friend and not think that everything is transactional. How do you respond to or help people through that mind block? Well, there, everything isn't transactional. I mean, if someone asks me, hey, do you know someone who can, you know, do this or that or the other? And it's going to cost them 500 bucks. Obviously, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to ask for a commission. But if they're painting their house, it'll be, you know, 10K, 20K, 30K. 10% isn't that bad. This is the way I see it. We're all here to provide value. If you provide value to somebody, you should be remunerated for that. And it's for, it's it's real simple in in my opinion. And the biggest thing is this, when you're certain of your integrity, all of that falls away. People buy into the certainty in your voice. If people buy into the certainty of your proposition, people buy into that certainty of that fair exchange when you're certain of it yourself. If you're not certain like, "Hey, um uh, maybe what do you think? You think you could pay me 10k?" Right there you lost. It's over. You say, "Look, I got a client for you." I'd love to present them to you. This is their house. This is how much, this is how much the space is or whatever. Can you do it? Yes. How soon can you do it? In two months. Let me get back to you. Hey, the guy can do it in two months. You game? Yeah. Okay. I'll be back. Talk to him. Hey, they're game. This is, this is what I'd like to, I want to, I want to introduce you to. And when he closes the deal, um, I, I'd, I'd appreciate 10% uh, commission done. It's, it's as simple as that certainty, my friend, certainty. And, and if anyone has an issue with that, then they've probably never been an entrepreneur or a, or what's the other word for the entrepreneur, the people that work in a business, but are entrepreneurs in their business. <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've actually never had that issue. And I make, Glenn, I make hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars just doing this. And that, that includes bringing money to deals, deals to money. For instance, that credit line, right? The guy got a credit line. I get a commission from that guy who gave him the credit line. You know, it's just, it's just normal. It's the way you do business. Anyone else? Hey, Stephen, I got a question about that. Um, yeah. Do you run do, do you run your payments from these individuals for your referrals? Do you run that through a, co a company, a corporation? How is that from a tax strategy? Yeah, indeed, I do. It depends on, on where it comes from. I mean, for instance, if you're a finder and you find some money for an investment, as long as your your earnings are larger than your normal your normal revenue or your take home pay of what your earnings are then it's, it's, it's not a big deal. Only when it gets over that, you have to register the broker, for instance. So you got to do all that kind of stuff. So I might do a different structure there. Now, as you might know, Scott, 
I have a German company, I have a Hungarian company, and I have a few American companies. So there's a way to work this um, um, that that is actually legal. So when I have a I have a deal in German in, in America, I'll use my German company because then I don't have to pay revenue tax, right? Because it's a cross border deal, so no no revenue tax. Same thing if I do a deal in, in Hungary, I'll use my German company. In Germany, I'll use my Hungarian company. And it's just it's just a way of um, yeah optimizing the taxes legally, if you will. Yeah, and, and you're using your network, and I think the point that needs to be made and brought back home is this. You're not going to refer somebody to 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 one of your friends or your network that you personally would not do business with, and I think that's the point that we need to make. You know that that you brought it up, but we just need to make sure that you know part of the honesty integrity of your network is you're not going to refer me to somebody that that you knowingly is going to lead me down a bad road, and I think that's a point that really needs to go back and be revisited. I mean, you, that expertise you have in those areas help people scale so much faster. I mean, these stories, sure, you talked about, you know, how you negotiated the deal on your end, but you help these companies make millions of more dollars. Yeah. And you should be compensated for that. I totally agree with you. Exactly. And that, and that's the whole point. People, people look at, always look at the snapshot of right now. You know, when, when someone says to me, man, you're, you know, when, when we sign, when they want to sign up for the humble, humble alpha paradigm upgrade advisory program, they're like, well, that's, you know, that's more than other courses. And I say, first of all, it's not a course. And second of all, remember, you're not paying for a three-month program. You're paying for 54 years of experience to be delivered in a three-month period. You know, <laughs> so you always have to look at the big picture, the results, and the outcome. And you know, especially with deals like the Austrian deal, that guy, yeah, millions and millions. And what did I get paid? You know, a little bit, a penny. And that's fine. You know, and, and, and once people understand that, it's basically, um, it's a gold mine. It really is. Hey, Steve and Scott, you guys mind if I chime in for a quick second? Go for it, brother. Yeah, so just sitting back listening to the conversation, and I really, you know, I, I take so many notes in the morning, and I just love absorbing what you're saying. For context to referrals, you know, the way I think about it is not connecting somebody with somebody that can compound and blow up their life is one of the most selfish things you can do in our business. I mean, we constantly are sending out referrals. The one thing I would say though, is transparency is key, right? I've never taken a referral fee. I'm probably one of the only agents on the planet probably that it's never actually taken a referral fee. But the reason is I'm trying to play a longer game in terms of setting up relationships with my trades. For example, there's a client of mine that did a six figure kitchen renovation. And then the kitchen guy called me and he's like, Hey, I got a $2,500 check for you. And I was like, awesome. Send it to my client. She can like book a trip to Mexico or something. And he was very confused. He's like, what's well, part of my marketing budget. I'm like, I get that. He's like she bought six properties with me and I didn't tell her that you'd be sending me a fee. So honestly, I don't feel right taking it. And I'm sure I'll get more business down the road. Now there are other referral relationships that send me business and it's very transparent that I pay them 25% of every transaction. That's a very different relationship because when I meet the people and I'm qualifying them and we're going through how we're going to work together, I flat out tell them I'm paying 25% to the referral partner. And I can tell you, they appreciate the transparency and the honesty. And I explain to them why I pay them and that it's a business and I'll take those funds and I'll reinvest them and build, build a better system for them to ultimately serve the community. But oh, yeah. it's when you hide those things that it really makes a difference, right? Yeah. So yeah, tra- I never heard. that's that's the hit principles: honesty, integrity, and transparency. You got to be upfront. I, I tell all sides what's going on. Everyone knows each other. They talk to each other. Because what's the point? I'm going to take a commission, and then I'm going to introduce those two, and then they're going to find out. No way. 
You know, it's it's my integrity that's on the line, my transparency that that I have to face and the honesty that we have. And so you're absolutely right. There's no way that you should ever try and backhand a deal. And this is why a lot of deals die, actually, because, you know, we, I talk to you, you talk to the guy, you go around my back, you try to get a commission, this, and then it's like the whole thing dies. So upfront, transparent, the whole works. Matter of fact, you know, that, that Austrian deal, I had the guy in America, the manufacturer said, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a commission on all this stuff. And I was like, I'm already getting a commission from the other guy. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. You know, I don't like to double dip. He's like, oh, okay, that's cool. I said, give it to the, to the distributor so he can do more marketing. So, you know, it's like, I, I do that too. I said, I'm going to get into the details, but it's transparency is key. I don't know if I mentioned that. You got to be transparent. Let everyone know, look, I'm going to refer you to the house painter. I'm getting 10%, just so you know. Done. Good point, Justin. Thanks. Anyone else? Last few minutes. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. It's Megan. Martino. Hello, Hello. Yeah. Yeah. this is, um, you know, a much smaller scale, but again, like you were speaking about um, fairness uh, or fair exchange, um, I'm going to try to make it relevant and also helpful to others. But, you know, we all go into um, communication and not clear. And so I take that um, upon myself. But this situation that um, I had approached a gal to utilize her um, building for an event, for a, a training, a seminar. But I have brought her tremendous amount of business and um, I never even expected her to turn around and charge me. And so uh, I asked her if I could use the space, a date, time, and she said, great. And I said, I'm going to be advertising uh, in the uh, city paper and, and do e-blast and the like. So there'd be exposure for her and her business. She turned around and then said, but I'll be, and she emailed me uh, the next day and said, oh, but I will be charging you X an hour. How do I go back? And again, it's the word, you know, going back. Um, but it, I'm not going to utilize the space and therefore she's going to lose the exposure and so forth. Or how do I, uh, how do I handle that? Yeah. Great question. Well, it, it, the way you handle it in the future is always be upfront about everything. And, and remember fair exchange is fair exchange. And anybody in here who thinks that, Oh, I'm just doing a favor for a friend and that kind of stuff. That's great. But you, your, 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 your network is then not your net worth. So it's as simple as that. You know what I mean? Right. So yep. always be upfront in, in, in front. And, that, and that's when I say expectations. So you, you, you may have had an expectation you didn't realize until the situation arise. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So the, expe the expectation would be, Hey, look, I'm going to, you know, use this space or I'm going to help you with the space and stuff. But my expectation is that when I need this space, you know, I, I, I get to use it at your cost or free or whatever it is that you guys would decide. It's always that expectation. Verbalize every expectation, get an agreement on it, then you have no issues whatsoever. Now, if it was me, I'd be like, look, look, brother, you know, for the last six months, I've done this, this, and this. Um, can we do it so that I can just have it gratis or free, you know, so mm -hmm. I can do it at, at your cost? If they say no, they say, okay, cheers. 
Thank you so much. I don't get nasty. I don't get rude. I just know in the future I'm not working with that person anymore because that's scarcity mindset. Yeah, and this is great timing because I actually um, didn't say anything like, oh, what are you crazy? I just said, hey, let's talk about this. And yeah. so we, we have a meeting this afternoon. So it's perfect timing. Great. Always be yeah. cordial. Always be polite and always be um, elevating. And just that's it. You know what I mean? Just, that's, yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> All right. The hit. The hit. Thank you. Sir. Hit. That's right. Honest take or transparency. Boom. Hit man. Hit woman. All right. Who's next? One more. We got time for one. Hi, Stephen. This is McKinley. May, may I say something, guys? Of course, of course, McKinley. Thanks so much, Stephen. Uh, so my name is McKinley. Certainly, for those who don't know me, I know there's many friends here up on stage. For those who don't know me, I'm an actor, model, entrepreneur. That's a very brief introduction. Sorry, I must bang something in my kitchen where I'm talking. Um, but Stephen, I really, really loved your share. I actually went to your profile. I followed you on your Instagram. Uh, saw that you were an army veteran. My best friend was in the Marines. Uh, so, you know, that humble kind of army vibe, I, I, I really liked the branding. Um, you know, he has PTSD. So to, you know, have a firm and humble branding as a, as a branding expert myself, I salute that. <laughs> and I, I followed you there. So, um, yes, definitely would love to stay connected. I'm very big on community. Um, I love connecting with, with all different types of people because what I find is that with, no matter who I'm connecting with, we're, we're more alike than we are different. It's really our likeness that bonds us over our differences. That's, that's a general th a theme throughout all of my businesses and just a, a, a thread throughout all that I do. Um, in particular, I really, really liked what you said um, about when, when you're talking about your, your business and, and your coaching about having value, providing value first and being good at what you do. You know, I, I, I think that that is the absolute fundamentals of, you know, because, you know, I do coaching of my own. Um, I, I started uh, a model coaching business. Uh, it was during the pandemic. I don't want to be too long winded with the share. Yeah, let's see. We're, was, we're, we're over time. So let's, uh, let's, let's, we'd love to hear what you got. Absolutely. Absolutely. So basically, you know, is that, so I started this business and, you know, but the reason that I started it was because I, I have experience for it. I have the knowledge of it. I, I, I can back it. You know, I've been with some of the top modeling agencies in the world when social media started and, it, you know, at the advent of it up to present day, uh, my DMs would go crazy about, hey, can you connect me with an agency? Oh, how do you become a model? I would love to learn how to become a model, you know, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I just wanted to echo what you said about, you know, when you're good at something and when you provide value, people will, people will come. Um, and so now I'm really at a place where, you know, after, 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 uh, thinking about and kind of doing, I guess, these seminars here on Clubhouse in different areas like mental health and, and social media, which is another skill area of mine. I'm actually a digital marketing okay. consultant. Okay. Let's wrap uh, it up, brother. Let's wrap it up, brother. We're running over. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. I'm sorry there, Stephen. No, I can just stop talking now if I've gone too long. I I, I was just going to say that, Um. so yeah, basically, yeah, uh, it's it, that 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 couldn't be more tr true, and I think, and a lot of times, what I see in helping business owners at large is is uh, 
people people aren't aren't focusing on the things that they're good at and they're and they're not providing that value and i think it really has to come from a place of purpose there you go let it Sounds lead good. from purpose and purpose awesome. drives your passion i'm so sorry steven if i spoke some don't be sorry i get it i get it man awesome great great advice thank you so much mckinley great to meet i just followed you back on instagram all right. So that, that's it for my session for this week. I really appreciate everybody. If any questions, shoot me a DM. Uh, look, you, if you want to make your net worth your network, then you got to go out and make it happen. You do it according to HIT and with creating space, and you would create true wealth that way. I promise you. All right, everybody have a fantastic one. Remember that one thing that we always say. How's it go, Joy? It's all about, about the quality, quality of life. life. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Great session, Stephen. Can we just give Stephen a quick mic flash? That was incredible as always. Thank you so much, Steven. Thank you. Thank you, Steven. Job, My favorite Great, thanks, Hubble Steve. Alpha. So good morning, everyone. This is Joy Farley. I hope everyone's having a great start to their day. And I was telling everyone in our back chat yesterday that if you haven't read Unleash Your Humble Alpha, then you can't talk to me. So um, that's like everyone's required reading. Um, if you would like to speak to me in any capacity, so be sure to tap in. It's really an incredible <laughs> book and has really changed how I look at life. So thank you so much, Stephen, for all of your shares and just the incredible knowledge that you bring. So I'm going to quickly just reset the room. There's been so many people that have been flowing in and out this morning. You are in Breakfast with Champions, the Millionaire Breakfast Club. If no one's told you today, I'm so glad that you're here. We're here every single day, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Saturdays from 6 a.m. to around noon, incredible Saturday sales meeting for everyone. And then Sundays, of course, with Club 111 with Darian Sanders and Dr. Amy and the whole crew. Um, but if you've been here for one day or one month or since the very beginning, you know that we're always here to educate, motivate, and inspire you. So be sure to tap the little greenhouse over the beautiful Scott Simon's head. Um, you'll always be able to unlock amazing rooms like this in your hallway. So normally, uh, Liza and I are here on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 7 to 8 a.m., but she's with her daughter today, so wish her some um, well wishes. They're going to a soccer tournament, so just wanted to send her all the good vibes as she's on the road. So you guys are just stuck with me for the next hour and I hope that's okay. I um, wanted to talk a little bit today about spreading kindness and it got me thinking, how often do we all get sucked into the vortex of social media? I mean, can you flash your mic if that absolutely applies to you? You know, maybe you see the negativity or you play the comparison game um, or maybe things that visually poke your own insecurities that are constantly in your little thumb scrolls, um, whether it's on Facebook or LinkedIn, wherever you are. And maybe you find the occasional cat video or if you follow Coach Isaac's amazing, super famous dog, Xena, um, you can just get sucked into the vortex of what some people view as social media. Well, sometimes you often find accounts that do the absolute opposite. Maybe they uplift you. Maybe they inspire you or encourage you. And those accounts I'm finding when I look for them, they always find themselves on my feed, just like this room might have been in your hallway. And you come in, you're like, wow, I'm motivated. I'm being educated. I'm being inspired because it just scrolled past, right? 
So I found an incredible account lately, um, probably a couple months ago, and I literally share it with everybody that I know. Um, it has been an incredible way for me to visually um, put my own thoughts into just beautiful, colorful art. And it's called The New Happy Co. So I'm not sure if you guys follow them on Instagram, but it's really inspired me lately. And a couple of days ago, they rolled out an incredible challenge called spreading kindness and so their biggest thing is it's a new philosophy of happiness backed by science so for me i majored in psychology i'm fascinated by what makes people tick or what ticks them off i love people um i am somehow been dubbed the friend collector so one you have to read the unleash your humble alpha and two if you hang out with me too long you might just be collected in my friend basket but this account the new happy co um is all about happiness backed by science it's colorful just like i said just beautiful visuals that put all of my inner thoughts into beautiful little squares so when it came to this challenge this week called spreading kindness, I was like, interesting, it's backed by science. So research has found that the single most impactful act of improving your well-being is doing an act of kindness. And I can guarantee you there's been so many times in my life that I look back and I'm like, man, it was the little things. It wasn't the huge things that fell out of the sky that completely changed the whole trajectory of my life. Sometimes it was just an encouraging word or a smile or a text message or someone reminding me that they believe in me. And this challenge that they've been doing this week in order to spread kindness, it talked all about how kindness can lead to a couple of things a better mood, greater psychological well-being, reduction of anxiety and depression, thank the Lord. Um, it reduces your levels of the stress hormone called cortisol. It can lower your blood pressure, reduction in mortality, and a greater sense of connectedness. And that is part of one of you know the morning five, sending an encouraging message. We have no idea what people are going through. I can guarantee you I've had conversations with, you know, people I thought I really knew lately and I'm always checking in saying, hey, like you just crossed my mind. I think for me, when people are on my heart, I physically feel it. And maybe you're an empath like me. And sometimes I just can't shake the fact that someone's on my mind. I've got to reach out. And every time I do, I always come across something that reminds me, you know what, a simple word of encouragement goes such a long way. So I wanted to share the challenge with you guys today. Um, you can definitely go follow them at the new happy co that's N E W H A P P Y C O. Um, would love to just blow them up. I'm constantly sharing their content and I'm always being inspired by the things that they share. And in doing so, I think anytime you find an incredible creator online that you connect with, share their work. It costs you nothing. And I think if you do create content, there's nothing more rewarding than seeing that you, it connected with somebody. And like the whole challenge talks about kindness is increasing our connectedness with others. So just a little tidbit there. So today I want to talk about um, you know, this idea of spreading kindness, if you can reflect on how you've benefited from the kindness of others, pay attention, you know, look around your life and say, hey, how can 
Um, how could it be something as small as someone opening a door for you or sending you an encouraging word or, you know, cleaning up the dishes? It doesn't matter. It could be something so small that is impactful to you. And in doing so, it ends up being a huge ripple effect. You know, maybe someone does something kind for you. You do something kind for someone else. And before you know it, everyone feels more connected. So I want you guys to just think this week, hey, when is when is the time one, someone has done something kind for you? How have you been able to pay it forward? And when you notice the little things, when you notice the kindness, allow yourself to really pause and feel it. Because I think sometimes we get so busy, right? You're running around, you've got the kids, you've got work, you've got all the other responsibilities of life. And maybe someone did something kind for you and it got overlooked. And so I always want to remind myself that when someone does something kind for me, that I pause and feel it. Um, it really does change your mood. It changes um, the way you look at the world. And for me, I'm always looking for those little lessons. So today I want us to kind of think of a couple quick questions um, that you can take some time to ponder, reflect, or consider um, the kindnesses that have really shaped where you are today. Um, who has helped you get here? I am a big believer that none of us are self-made. Uh, you talk about self-made millionaires and billionaires and all, you know, what the news will hype up as those that are self-made, but I can guarantee you that none of us got here by ourselves. There's always somebody who has um, encouraged us, who has supported us, who maybe they drove you to basketball practice. You never know. Um, the people that have gotten you to this place. Um, where has kindness shifted the trajectory of your experience? Who are those people who's either helped you get here and where has kindness shifted your trajectory or your experience and really has enriched your life because of their kindness? So before we open it up to some dialogue, I just wanted to share a quick story about a kindness in my life that totally changed the trajectory. So people always ask me, Joy, how'd you get into real estate? And I can't believe it's almost been, we're coming on 10 years in this insanely incredible, um, at times stressful, ask Justin or anyone else who was on stage who is in the real estate world, especially in this market. But I was a senior in college, um, always thought that I was going to be Dr. Farley. I majored in psychology thinking I was going to get my um you know, my PhD and be in the whole research space until I realized that, you know, this is really not for me. I love people. I love serving and helping, but this is not the move. So I had done everything that I could to secure a job right before graduation. Actually, that was the October of my senior year. I worked all through college and was determined to graduate with a job. So um, a career, um, career, counselor had hooked me up to this career fair, incredible people who were recruiting off of our campus. I went to UNC Wilmington here in North Carolina. And long story short, I connected with an incredible company that October, they kept in touch with me until the spring, went through multiple rounds of interviews. Um, actually, my brother was looking for a similar position in the same city that this company was located in. And I told him about it. And unbeknownst to me, I ended up giving this position essentially to my brother. I was like, hey, you're looking for great people. I know some incredible people and they live right in your backyard. 
And it's so funny how I look back and I'm like, you know what? I thought that was going to be the perfect job for me. And it turned out that I was able to jumpstart an incredible second career for my brother after playing professional basketball in Italy. So, of course, my heart was like crushed. I was like, you know, maybe something bigger or better is going to come around for me. Um, maybe it wasn't in the recruiting space. Um, and I look back and I'm like, man, I would have hated that job. Well, three weeks before I graduate, I literally get a text message that changed the absolute trajectory of my life. Um, a great family friend of ours owned one of the largest builders here in Charlotte at the time. And he reached out to me. He texted me. I didn't even have his number. And he said, Joe, I've been watching you for years and you connect you with any product or service and it's going to turn into magic. And so I was like, well, one, I know nothing about real estate. My parents have never owned a home. I know nothing about construction. I know nothing about sales, but okay. Um, I did tell him looking back, I don't know you. You don't know me. I'm going to go through the same process like everybody else. And I never wanted to come back around that the only reason that I got this job is because I know you. So I ended up interviewing, gosh, multiple rounds of interviews. It turned out great. And out of one text message, I think I'm constantly looking for the little things because that one experience taught me that it's not about the massive opportunities that fall in our hands. Sometimes it could be something as small as one conversation that has changed the entire trajectory of my life. So I would love to open it up to you guys. I know it is so important when we look back at our lives. Maybe you look back at your past week and you're like, wow, that one act of kindness changed my mood. Hey, that one act of kindness made me feel more significant or more important or just valued or seen. Um, maybe it's one person that you should go back and say thank you to. I always want to be that person if someone has done something kind for me that I'm, even if no one else goes back and says thank you, it never hurts if you're the only one or one of the many few. So I'd love to kind of open up this conversation for you guys and say, how has another person's kindness shaped your life? Maybe it's been in the past week. Maybe it's been, you know, the person that helped you get into the career field that you're in, someone that's inspired you to be a better person. And how that has meant something to you. I'm sure there's some great stories that can be shared. Because I think sometimes when we meet people, we just enter the chapter that they're currently in. None of us always know how they got there. And we don't know the stories of the people that actually made it happen. So if you'd like to share, I would love to hear your input. I know there's some incredibly amazing people here in this room. I'm definitely going to open the hand raising in a few minutes and um, would love to hear your perspective. So I see Coach Isaac blinking. I'd love to hear from you. And I see Vernita and Tamara will go in that order. What has kindness meant to you and how has that changed or shaped the trajectory of your life? Go for it, Coach. Mm, thanks, Joy. I appreciate this. Uh, kindness, kindness to me is um, it's almost, you know, giving without expecting anything in return. And the guy I want to talk about really quick just finished his segment, Stephen Kuhn. Um, it was my first time in this room. It was my first time in this room, Breakfast with Champions. And I came on stage and I asked a question and he was one of the ones that answered it. And I just sent him a DM saying, thank you for, you know, giving me some advice. And then I asked if he could uh, take a look at my website because he was in the fitness industry. And I said, can you take a look at my website and just, you know, give me any any feedback? And he replied, he said, I got a better idea. Let's set up a Zoom call and then we'll talk. And we did that. 
we set up the Zoom call, we talked, and he connected me with a couple people. And and this is all just out of the kindness of his heart. He didn't ask for anything. He just connected me with a couple of people, and those connections have led to some big, big things coming up in my life. And it just was the kindness out of Stephen's heart, just giving without expecting. And he gave way more than I asked. I just asked, can you look at my website? Give me a little feedback. He set up a Zoom call with me instead, face-to-face, connected with me as a person. It was re- it was relational, not transactional. And just that little act of kindness has has done so much for me. And, uh, and it's caused me to reciprocate that, or not reciprocate that, but to um, give that same thing to other people more so than I already was before that interaction with Steven. So it's the ripple effect for me. That's it. Radiant value, my friend. Radiant value. I love it, brother. <laughs> it's the ripple effect for me. See, I'm telling y'all, I would never lead you astray. So be sure to either connect with Steven or get the book. Um, I Read know it's book. been just a great connect the dots for so many of us that one, you know, it never hurts to read some more. Two, how often do you get to connect with the actual authors of any books? And three, Stevens are friends. So I love to support my friends whenever they're doing. So coach, that is such a perfect example of, Hey, you asked for one simple thing and it turned into way, way more than that. And it is going to truly change um, the things that you're able to do in the future. So incredible share vernita good morning grand rising grand rising joy grand rising breakfast with champions yes vernita adele here love this topic joy and of course i truth be told i do have a a story about someone who got me here but i i would be remiss if i didn't kick off with the friend collector and just saying you know joy when you talk about having spaces and social media and accounts that inspire people you're definitely one of those for me and uh, i'm i'm always grateful to to share your content because it truly is uh, uplifting and whenever i know i get in your dms like what day is it aren't we one day away from 75 hard i like tomorrow is the last day and it's, uh, it's, it's been inspiring for me to see you on this journey and that you've committed and, and gone through it. And so uh, also touching upon Stephen, as, as Joy talked about being the friend collector, which I, she truly has been uh, kind to me in that respect. Uh, I'm excited because I'm in the middle of reading Unleash uh, My Humble Alpha, and I'm working on the action items towards identifying my own two-word moniker. And I'm like... Stephen, I got my work cut out for me. But with that, you know, the the community in this room in terms of just stepping up into the next level has been uh, outstanding. And then to to quickly share about someone, I don't think I've shared about her in this room before, but growing up, uh, there was a, a woman in, in, in my life. Uh, I, I She was dubbed my, my foster grandmother, uh, but really she was the woman who... Uh, came into my life when I was six months old to help my parents uh, take care of me when my mom went back to work at her at her dental practice. And uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you have someone in your life and it's so easy to take people uh, for granted when you just, you know, see them all the time or know them all the time. But uh, I, I was grateful that I had her in my life up until just a few years ago. She passed away at the age of 96. 
and her name was Elizabeth Sims. I could just call her Miss Sims. And I mean, everything from, you know, teaching me the way that she baked her molasses cookies or blackberry jam. She taught my brother how to make his infamous uh, cheesecakes. And she also just taught me to really uh, honor and respect myself. She she checked on me, you know, periodically as I was, you know, coming into being a an adult uh, now now and again. But always just having a touch point of knowing that no matter where I go in the world, if I ever doubt whether or not I am loved, I knew I had the love of Mrs. Sims, and it kept me motivated to go the next step forward. And so while I have many people in my in my life that, that support me, she is someone that will always stand out for me uh, in her kindness that had me move, uh, continue to move to the next level. So I just want to thank you for bringing up that that joy that sometimes we we may not have a full appreciated full appreciation of the people who show kindness to us when our in our lives but when we really sit and reflect who were those people that helped us move forward uh, more than we ever realized so Bernita done speaking for the moment thank you joy Wow. I think we all needed a Mrs. Sims in our lives and I guarantee you probably do if we took a second to reflect about it and I can guarantee you guys, if you were to just send a text message or pick up your phone and call, if that person is still in your life, is still breathing, still living on this um, amazing planet, I would just touch base with them and say, you know what, I know we haven't talked in a while, or I don't even know if you know this, but what you said this one time, or the encouragement that you gave me, or the ways that you've inspired me, some people don't even know what they mean to us unless we tell them. And that has happened to me multiple times in the past where someone has come to me and said, hey, remember that time when you said, I'm like, I don't remember that conversation at all, but it has been so impactful to them. And when someone tells you what that means to you or means to them, it makes you feel so incredible. So be that person to reach out today for sure. Tamara, we have you up next, my dear. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. I love this conversation. I love everyone shares around it too, because I think the thing, even as you were just explaining last that I was considering was those random acts or small acts of kindness that happen from strangers that you'll never know their name. You'll never likely see them again. Or if you do that, of course, is an opportunity to say something, but um, it, it happens more often than not, even when somebody's you know, letting you into a long line of traffic because you needed to get somewhere quickly and you went up really quick to get across the interstate or they pay for your coffee in the Starbucks drive through line or any of those things. And so even though I am obviously conscious of trying to be kind to the people that I love and the people that I experience on a daily basis, I often try to go out of my way for the stranger um, because those are the people that I don't have direct access to and I, and I don't know who's influencing or um, affecting their life at that season. Um, and I know that oftentimes, even in our great big world, we can feel really isolated. Um, an example of kindness that doesn't necessarily parallel to that, but happened to me last night that just really touched me is I actually pulled my back out for the second time this this week yesterday 
it's horrendously painful and terrible. I had to cancel my whole schedule because I couldn't hardly breathe through my rib cage. And my my sister-in-law's mom um, has a Thai massage background in cupping. And she came over at the very tail end of her day. She's an um, education uh, professor at our university locally. So she just got out of class, was over here about 8.30. And she was just doing a full cupping experience on my back, which is not very uh, comfortable. Um, some people might have a, a variable opinion, but it was my first time. And I, I was, again, was trying to just breathe through it. And uh, at the end, I was like, please let me like pass money to you or, or extend the kindness however I can in regard. And I know money is the last thing on her mind. And she said this exact statement, which is exactly what we're talking about. She said, um, my energy flows to you so that you can flow to somebody else past the kindness. And I think that's kind of culmination of what kindness is. It's less about an exchange of value and more just an exchange that's going through the earth's atmosphere on any given moment, just like the happy co like you had shared with me earlier this week. And I agree in in the power of that um, process and ability to just share with others, even strangers. Thanks so much for letting me share. Oh, I love that. Pass the kindness. That needs to be like a hashtag. So if you want to claim it, I would go ahead and snatch that, um, Tamara. <laughs> Pass the kindness. And yes, I, I believe I shared the new Happy Co. with you too. It is the most visually stimulating, colorful um, way of just putting things, giving language to how all of us feel in just a really beautiful way. So I encourage all of you to go follow their account, blow them up, and they're going to be like, where did all these Breakfast of Champions people come from? And I promise you won't regret it. I think TM, I saw you blinking your mic earlier. Would love to hear how kindness has helped shape your life. Hey, good morning, my friend. Good morning, champions. Man, this is a great conversation because, Joy, I literally just followed up uh, with someone who really demonstrated kindness in my professional, uh, you know, life about 10 years ago. Um, and, and what made me even want to reach out is because I saw a, a picture on Facebook and I was like, man, Jeff is getting a lot of gray in his beard. Right. And it's like, wow, I didn't realize, um, he may have been that older, but you know, in the midst of the environment, it's important to give people their flowers now, right? Hearing that phrase here on Clubhouse um, really triggered something with me when I saw the picture. I set up a Zoom call. Jeff was a previous um, VP who helped me to navigate um, as a young leader uh, in corporate America. And the one thing that he did uh, is he, he truly had my best interests at heart. He was a Caucasian gentleman. And so one, um, you know, that was different. But we did de we developed a relationship. He became a mentor uh, for me and almost like a uncle, a father figure, because I truly felt like he had my best interests at heart. One day in a heated situation, um, he pulled me aside and, you know, he told me something that changed my life because passion sometimes um, can come off as aggression. Right. It can come off um, like you're just out of control when, when really you just feel passionate about something. And I think as a black man, right, in an environment where there weren't a lot of people that looked like me, my passion came off um, as something else. But he told me one day, you need to learn how to control your passion. He called it passion. Other people were probably calling it something else, but he, he showed me kindness. 
um, I felt like he had my best interests at heart. I jumped on a Zoom call with him uh, just to let him know how impactful he had been in my career. Um, a lot of times along the way, we don't trust people because uh, we don't understand them. They don't look like us, right? But when you find people that have your best interests at heart, whether they look like you or not, you have to build on that. I built on it. And, and it helped me to get to where I am today. Um, and it's important to give people their fly flowers today, right? Because tomorrow's not promised. I love this conversation. Love it. Thank you, Joy. I'm Tim and I'm complete. Absolutely. And I love what you shared that kindness from people that might not look like you feel it hits different. You know, I know for a lot of us, if you are a minority in any capacity, that if you're in corporate America, that your passion can sometimes come off as either attitude or aggression. Um, I could attest to that being uh, a huge piece of my world, too. And when you have people who are like, no, like, I'm so glad that you're passionate about this. What can we do? You have a tremendous opportunity to reinvent your dealership today, right now, and to not take advantage of it would mean that everything that you just went through and are going through was in vain. How about instead we build something new like Kevin did in Virginia who was up 37% in April, or Mike in Wyoming who was up 90% in April, or Bob in Kentucky who broke a 60-year record this past January. All of these dealers join the 800% Club and together we continue to win. Listen, I've done this before. I've helped build a monster dealership from the inside out, and now I want to build one with you. You and your team deserve it. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. And when people come alongside of you that make you feel seen and heard, it feels like kindness. So thank you so much to him for that share. I'm with you there always. But like I said earlier, kindness creates connection. And when we can be more and more connected with each other with these simple acts of kindness, I know walking outside sometimes right now, it's like just smiling at people is such a joy because we've all been wearing a mask. And it's like, gosh, just a simple something as going to the grocery store and not smiling with your eyes and can really connect with people um, it's those little things. So I want to just quickly reset the room. We'll take a couple more shares. I see Sarah and Anna and Dustin blinking their mic. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, if you're just joining us, you are in Breakfast with Champions, the Millionaire Breakfast Club. We're here every day from uh, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m., Monday through Friday. Um, we're talking about the power of kindness and how one person's kindness can really shape our life. So would love to um, hear your stories. I'm going to open hand raising in a few minutes, um, but this has been just a powerful conversation that sometimes it's the little things. Maybe it's just taking note of the little ways that we either feel kindness or can share it um, and can really change someone's world. So Sarah, I would love to hear from you and then we'll go Anna and Dustin and then we're going to hear from our friends at the other side of the breakfast table. So good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Joy. Thank you so much. I love this conversation. Um, it reminded me of two things. The first is I heard Gabby Bernstein once say, it's impossible to feel helpless when you're helping someone else. Um, and I thought of that when you were sharing earlier about the power of when we are kind ourselves. And then as far as the act of kindness for me, so one of my dear friends, we both raise money for two different children's hospitals on the East Coast. I have a fund at Children's National in Washington, D.C., and she uh, raises money for Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And those 
hospitals have races every year and we are always on each other's race team, no matter what, no matter what's going on in our life, no matter if we're pregnant, no matter if we just had a baby, no matter like what is going on, we show up for each other's races. Because one thing that we found is that in the first year, a lot of people come out, but year after year, your team can kind of thin out. Um, and to have like that friend whose family, you know, is going to come every, we both bring our families, our kids know each other. There are years when that's the only days that we see each other all year is at each other's races. Cause we've just said, I'll be at your race. I'll be at your race. And there are times when I've embraced her and cried after the race. Cause her family was the only people other than my parents who came. And it just like to know that that person is going to show up for you every single year is so powerful. This is Sarah. I'm done speaking. I'm not a runner, but I have a lot of friends who are my accountability partners that I'm like, you know what, on the days that I don't want to show up, I know I can count on you. And I've had some tearful moments like that where I'm like, you know what, I didn't want to show up, but I knew that you were waiting on me. And what a powerful connection that is too. So love that share, Sarah. Anna, good morning. How has kindness shaped your world? Hi, good morning. Happy to be here. Thanks for uh, calling on me. So I don't have any really big, great, and earth-shattering kindness stories. What's coming up for me this morning is really the kindness of strangers and, and sort of going off of what you just talked about. So I'm a triathlete, and something that we do in the in the cycling, cycling and running world is, and it's always struck me because you could be out in the middle of nowhere on your bike and you get a flat tire and all the cyclists stop. It's just something what we do. Everyone stops, asks you if you're okay. And, you know, they got to get going. And many of these people are triathletes or they're cyclists or doing 50 mile, 100 mile rides. And they stop. And I don't know how to change a tire. I, I'm embarrassed to say this. After all these years of being a triathlete, 18 years, I would be completely, I'd, I'd kill myself in a race because, uh, if I had a flat tire, because I can't change one still to this day, everybody stops. It's, and they ask you, how are you? Are you okay? What can I do for you? And I cannot tell you how many tires people have changed for me. And that to me is just pure kindness because they could just keep on going. It's usually an early Saturday or Sunday morning. Many of these people are parents or got to get back to work and they stop and help. It takes quite a bit of time. So that's just something that really stands out for me this morning. It always does on the weekends. And then another thing that it's kindness, but it's really tough kindness. I have had so many coaches, therapists, colleagues, mentors in my life show kindness to me by really kind of giving me a kick in the pants, especially when I have not wanted to do things, when I've, I've pushed upon resistance to things that I've been told to do. And it's really been a tough love and the tough, I have a strong personality and maybe I need that kick in the butt, but it's usually been those who have said the truth in love, said it with kindness, but tough kindness and said, you must do it. You need to change your mindset around that. You, ha I know you don't want to, you have to, you have to do it. That just happened to me the other day when I was talking with my business coach about something that I didn't want to do, something I was really kind of complaining to her about. She said, I hear what you're saying, and I don't care. You must do it. You need to do it. Well, you know what? Her doing that for me was really kindness because she didn't have to say that. She could have just listened to me, and she could have regurgitated back to me what I was saying and had empathy. But instead, she did have empathy. She had sympathy. But at the same time, she said, well, that's you need to change it. Go and do it and get back to me tomorrow and tell me what you did to change it. So I am so appreciative of that. 
on this, what is this, Thursday morning, because it really did change the trajectory of my how my day went yesterday. So those are just daily and weekly acts of kindness that I am so appreciative of. So this is Anna. Thanks so much. I'm done speaking. Thank you, Anna. And I know sometimes it doesn't always feel kind at first, but you look back and you're like, man, those tough conversations change everything. Um, the Bible says that faithful are the wounds of a friend. And sometimes when we speak the truth in love and say, you know what, like you might not receive this as, you know, right away, but I can guarantee you just like a parent, they tell you something that you don't want to hear or a coach tells you something you don't want to hear and you come back and it's like, man, I didn't know it was best for me, but you had a different, um, a different vantage point than maybe if like you're a player on the field. Um, if you're up in the press box, it looks a whole lot different. So I love that share, Anna. All right, Dustin, I told you yesterday in the DMs that it's been a big secret, but you might be my new favorite human and that I would make a big public announcement. So here it is. I'm so well, glad that you're here. Love, <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. I love that. I thought we weren't going to tell anybody. <laughs> keep it inside anymore. You know, I just couldn't keep it inside. Thanks, Joy. This is a great topic. I love it. This is actually something that I've been wanting to like kind of bring up for a while now, and it's, uh, as a kid, we knew this family called the Balone family, and uh, the father of the Balones used to play in the NHL, and he ended up in building this paddle wheeler that, you know, fit about 40 people on it, and it did scenic tours around our lake that I grew up on. My dad was the mechanic on it, and her, his daughter, Jody was the captain of the boat, and so... I would always, she would always notice me hanging around the gas station where my dad worked and I was bored because I was the only, one of the only consistent kids that grew up on the lake and there were multiple other kids that like came for a week at a time and left. So I'd be like bored out of my mind some days. And she noticed that and she's like, I, I, she tells me now, I hated kids, but I loved you <laughs> for some reason. And so she let me onto the boat for free you know, she charged like $5 for this scenic tour. It would leave at one, three and seven. And she'd let me on. And it was, the gas station was like five minutes away from the boat. So she could honk the horn and I can like come running down the hill and hop onto the boat. And it just brought me so much joy. And she, she noticed, she noticed that I needed like, you know, that like friend. And so she was this friend for me. And, you know, she's like 20, maybe 20, 25 years older. And so her passion was this boat and she absolutely loved the boat. And it was one of my favorite things growing up, being on this boat and getting to ride around it. And so she let me on for free and, and it was amazing. And, and a couple years ago, uh, she, she couldn't put the boat, well, about 10 years ago now, she couldn't put the boat in the water because the water was too low. And so she left it on land and then the next year she couldn't get a permit to get it back out on into the lake. And so, she ended up in going back the next year to get it and the boat was gone. The property had been stolen and, or the property had been sold and the boat was taken off the property by the new owner. And so this crushed her. Like this was her major dream to like, you know, bring kindness. And like, this was her family's legacy, this boat. And so now she's like, you know, she's super depressed, doesn't have this boat anymore. And every holiday I call her. And I, you know, wish her a happy, Merry Christmas, like Happy New Year, Happy Easter. And every single time I call her, she starts crying. And she says, you are the only person in my life 
that wishes me a Merry Christmas. And, you know, it just, it just like the whole point of my story is that if you don't know how or when, but if you don't give it, you're not going to get it. And you never know if you're not going to like be that, you're going you, sorry, you never know if you're going to be that person that just has nobody. And then somebody that you helped along your way will then help you. So, you know, I ended up in getting a painting of the boat and I, it hangs above my bed made too and it just reminds me of of the kindness that she gave me and so fill your life with those kind of high frequency memories and don't be afraid to give because you just never know when you're going to need it yourself i'm dustin pass back to you joy i love that share so much because it's those little things it could be a happy holiday you know it could be a card something so small that seems so insignificant, but could mean the absolute world um, to that other person. So that was a perfect share, Dustin. Thank you so much. I'm going to take one more mic flash from the stage, and then I'm going to open hand raising as well. Michael Huey, I see you flashing. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Joy. How are you? I I think what Dustin said was phenomenal. Dustin, you're, you're so true, because people are always around us looking at us and um, and I think that when, you know, Glenn says to be clear is to be kind. I think there's people out there right now, like what Joyce said, like, you know, we've all, we've all been wearing a mask, right? And I think there's a hot mic somewhere. But when you've been wearing a mask for so long, there's no emotions, right? Like, like Joyce said, you can just see the person's eyes. And I teach this to my clients. Actually, I'm doing a really cool teaching in, uh, on Saturday on this. Uh, to a lot of my clients because um, how we perceive, or perceive ourselves to other people and how we show kindness can can help heal our bodies, um, can help other people feel important. And I think when you take yourself out of the equation and you focus on what you can do for others serving, I mean, Joy brought up the scripture from the Bible. I mean, I think about it like this, like uh, the very day that God was going to be portrayed and killed and murdered, he sat down and he took um, a basin of water and he washed all the feet of his disciples. And I thought, wow, what a, what kindness, right? Because he knew what was going to happen. And so I think that the acts of kindness can go a long way at not only what a person has or sees today, but it can set them up for a lot of things in the future. So Joy, I think it's great that you brought this topic up because, uh, Believe me, myself included, there's a lot of people that need kindness today. So thank you, my friend. I love you. Absolutely. Well, go spread it around. Go spread it around. Well, I brought up Brian. Um, Brian, I think it's Insear. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Would love to hear how kindness has helped shape your life as well. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Brian Inch. Yeah, and my uh, kindness, this topic is awesome. And so one of the things I wanted to relay is that you never know how you're going to affect other people. And the reason why I say that is, you know, I'm in the federal government and I was a contractor. And then when I joined a different organization in the federal government, you know, GS-15, I had one of my former supervisors in my last assignment came to work in our organization and she had a concern because, you know, years before 
I was working for her. Now she's, now she's literally, I'm her supervisor. And she had a concern about that. But I had to relay to her, it's like, look, you and I had a solid relationship before. We're going to still have that solid relationship. And I'm saying that is because sometimes people don't realize, you know, the impact that not only that they have, but also, too, it gives you an opportunity to to have an impact on their lives as well. And she was in our organization uh, initially for a two-year assignment. And because of the relationship and how I took care of her, she ended up working with me for a third year. And that is one of my areas of showing kindness to folks that were in my circle. I'm Brian and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Brian, for that share. I love how sometimes uh, you're the boss and sometimes it's the other way around. And either way, it's just friendship um, and kindness, like I said, can go such a long way. So thank you so much for being here. I also brought up Giselle. Would love to hear how kindness has helped shape your world. Good morning. Good morning. Um, this was my favorite topic because for whatever reason, I always remember um, yeah, every act of kindness, honestly, I can, it's like a chronological order in my, in my head. So obviously they're so important to me, but, um, yeah, it's shaping my life and my kids' life really. But, uh, one thing in particular was when I first moved to Belgium from Germany, which was, I, I lived in D Dusseldorf, which was quite challenging raising four kids in a big city because we, my children were born in Ireland in a very um, small city in West Cork, or not city, village. And we moved to Belgium, um, which has a mixture of both kind of city and, uh, you know, um, agricultural life. So my youngest son, who who has autism, and is quite an explosive child. We went into a shop and I remember the first thing he did, we were buying clothes for, for his brother and he just uh, threw everything all around the place. And I was mortified, of course, and didn't really want to say the first thing out of my head, sorry, he's autistic, because I didn't want him to use that as, as an excuse or, or you know, announce to everyone his condition in, in public, you know. Um, and so then I kind of just started picking up the things and I was ready to go. And the lady came to me and she was like, it's okay. He, kids do this. I'll do it. We'll do it together. You know, so she started doing it with my son and she put everything together and she said, you go and shop with your other son. I've got this. And we also had no Dutch at that time. We only had German. And then all like my son now as entering into any shop here he's never done that again and he used to always i used to come into every store with such anxiety and that just completely changed everything i felt in terms of going shopping with him and i think it it's also what made him feel a bit better going shopping as well the reaction was completely unexpected from him as well so that's how it shaped our life and thank you for letting me share. This is Giselle, I'm done speaking. Thank you, Giselle, that's such a great share. And I think too, sometimes you're like, oh, well, kids are kids. I've run into a lot of children in my office 
Um, and I've had a couple clients with children with autism and they're always like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, like they're fine. And I think sometimes you don't realize how no one making a big deal about behavior or certain things like that. You're like, oh, it just makes you feel seen. So thank you so much for that share. I saw Rachel um, flashing earlier. Would love to hear if you wanted to share. And then I also brought up Fizal. Would love to hear how kindness has helped shape your life. Rachel, are you there? Yeah. Hey, Joy. Hey, guys. Hey. Um, I, I enjoyed that last share very much, actually. Um, you know, my, my almost stepson has, um, a form of autism and it's not easy, you know, parenting is hard enough. And when people aren't kind or compassionate, uh, when somebody shows you any, it's kind of beautiful. But what I wanted to share with people was this, you know, early on, a lot of us work in careers that are just not kind industries in general. They're challenging, they're tough. They bring out the ugly in you. They bring out the ugly in everyone around you. And when I was quite young in my twenties, um, Gail King gave me the best advice and you know what, it really changed the whole trajectory of how I approached life in general. And she said, you could cheer on your competition and still want to beat them. And you know what, it's really how I approach life. I cheer on my competition. I really do. Like, you know, when you work in, um, you know, I started in television. Oh, Molly dear. Good morning. I know I see angel. Hi guys. Um, you know, you could still want to, you could still cheer people on and still want to beat them. Like you don't have to be adversarial. You can still have like a great attitude about everything. You know, you could have a tough interview and still ask anybody anything. It's all in the way you ask it. I just think you can go through life like that. You know, yesterday I spoke at, um, Dominique had like Dominique Murphy had a thing yesterday and she asked me if I would speak and you know, I was telling people, you could be one of the good guys. So that's how kindness has shaped my life. And when I mentor people, like younger people coming up in the business and stuff, that's what I tell them. You can be kind and successful. You can do both. It, there's so much less energy. It's, it's so much easier to be kind than to be a jerk. So that's really how kindness has impacted my life. And I noticed the people that I've met on Clubhouse, they have the same, um, they're aligned. They're the same exact way. Competition is healthy and it, it, it could really bring a lot of joy to your life if you position it correctly. So, I mean, that's what I'm thinking about. You know, I'm, I know it's not the typical look at kindness, but you can be competitive, you can be competitive, you can be kind, you can cheer on the competition and you can ask people very tough questions and it's all in the way that you ask it. I think we all have to come from a place of curiosity um, in general in life instead of like a place of like blame, shame or attacking. So that's kind of what I wanted to share. And, you know, a couple of people I've worked with have really um, kind of just influenced my thinking. So good morning, everybody. That's my contribution. And I appreciate uh, listening to everybody. Um, and that's it. She said, be kind to your competition. Doesn't take anything away from you, right? Um, I can that's go. right, Rachel. That's right, Rachel. Rachel. Well said, Rachel. She What's said that? She said well, that. No, Rachel's amazing. Rachel's amazing human. Well, Glenn, since you're here, how has kindness helped shape your life? Is there someone that either showed you an act of kindness or how you've been able to make that a ripple effect? Yeah, so I walked into this dealership in two.
Oh no, you sound like a robot, Glenn. We're losing you, Glenn. How about now? How about now? How about now? How about now? <laughs> Rewind. You're good. You're good. So I walked. I walked in. Okay, I walked into this dealership uh, back in 2011, and I was driving an old piece of crap Toyota 4Runner with 240,000 miles on it. Didn't have two nickels to rub together. Had uh, I just had my daughter, um, Savannah, my second daughter, and there's this guy named Josh Cummins that owned the dealership, and Josh gave me an opportunity, believed in me, poured into me, trained me, mentored me, coached me, befriended me was a brother to me, loved me, treated me as an equal. He was the owner of the dealership. I was this popper that didn't have freaking two nickels to rub together. And he just 100% invested his time and his energy. I mean, the dude literally like washed my feet. Like he served me versus expecting and anticipating me to serve him. And in exchange, completely transformed my life, gave me the opportunities that I have now in the automotive world, uh, made me a better man, a better husband, a better father, all of those things. And so his act of selfless servant leadership uh, completely transformed my life. And I am so grateful for him and for that. I love it. I miss Josh on here. I miss his shares. He's such a great human. And just giving you an opportunity that has had a massive ripple effect on everyone you touch. So I'm so glad you have a Josh in your world, Glenn, because we wouldn't exist around the places that we find ourselves in, like Breakfast with Champions, without him. So love it. Love it. We've got a couple more minutes. Would love to hear from a few more of you. Raise, I saw you um, flashing your mic, and we'll go with Shannon as well. And... Um, We'll go in that order. So how has kindness helped shape your world? I am really enjoying this conversation right now. I, I, there are, once again, sorry, can you be quiet for a second, Baba? Please, I'm talking. Please, please. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, so basically, there are so many stories I want to share, but I, uh, I want to reflect on uh, what you guys have been telling right now. Let me get out of the car. I'm really, I'm really sorry. Okay, so I have to come out of the car so I can talk to you. My daughter didn't stop. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to uh, add to this point that my observation from what I heard from you guys, whoever helped me um, just being a selfish person, and I love it. When I help anybody in anything or when I be kind to anybody, I thank them because they gave me the opportunity to be my higher self. We are all built to be kind to each other. It's like eating, it's like sleeping. If we get to be kind to somebody, they gave us the opportunity uh, to be kind and to do what we should do. And that's what I see. Uh, that's my point. And thank you for letting me speak. Now I'm going back to the car to drive. <laughs> I was like, but back in the car, back in the car to drive. Thank you so much, Reza, for um, that share. We have kindness in us. And when we share it, it feels good to give. And it feels amazing to receive. So thank you so much for being here. Shannon, would love to hear from you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, beautiful champions. Thank you for allowing me to speak this morning, Joy. Uh, with kindness, you know, when I first moved to New York, I knew no one, and I spent a lot of time at the Key Food on the corner. 
And one day a customer started harassing me in the store and he actually followed me out of the store, started following me home. And I was so scared because, you know, I, I couldn't even swat a fly at that time. And so, you know, I used to wait for the bus every day in front of the key food and there was a bench there and this homeless guy was there. His name was James and we would talk every day for a few minutes until the bus came. Sometimes I'd give him money for food and this went on for two years. So when this guy started following me out of the store, James popped up off that bench like a rocket to the moon. And he went up to that guy. He said, if you don't leave her alone, I will wring your blankety blank neck. And he chased the guy off for me. And I just was like, oh, my God, James, thank you so much. Because I was so scared, you know. And he said, Shannon, I got you. And it just made me think when you were talking today about me being kind to him, then I experienced his kindness by protecting me. Thank you. Oh, I couldn't have, I couldn't have asked for a better final share. Actually, we might have time for one more. I'm just saying, but Shannon, to your point that sometimes when we show up for people, you realize that they have your back and those are the best ones in your toolbox. You know, where you're like, I didn't even realize that just by speaking, you know, daily to somebody that when you needed them, they showed up. So love it. Um, Jose, we'd love to hear from you before we wrap up and we're going to pass it on to Dr. Rowe at eight o'clock. So go for it. How has kindness shaped your world? Good morning, Joy. Um, thank you for, uh, this topic's amazing as always with, with you. Um, kindness has shaped my world because of grace and forgiveness. Um, you know, I, I, I struggled with grace and forgiveness in the earlier, my earlier days. And I say that like I'm in my thirties, I'm not. Um, but when I was younger, I struggled with grace and forgiveness and I was always very bitter. And then, um, I learned about it. I learned how, how giving that love back to somebody, forgiving them for the little things can help out with the way you feel. And then it started being reciprocated back to me. And even recently it happened to me in such a way of a business opportunity that I messed up on. And this person was gracious enough to say, you know what, you had to deal with what you had to deal with, but I'm still holding you to it. It's okay. I forgive you for not showing up. And that act of kindness touched my heart because it allowed me to remember I can get back on my feet and I can keep on going even through, through hard times. So um, passing it back to you, Joy. Thank you so much for that share. Cause I guarantee you that if you've experienced grace, you can pass it along and that feels like kindness all day long. So thank you, Jose, for your share and for being here as always. And thank you for everyone who popped in. This has been an incredible hour and I can guarantee you one, if you go and follow new happy co on Instagram, you can thank me later. It is a daily visual reminder of most of our thoughts on a daily basis um, and just a beautiful visual representation. So would be honored if you guys would either engage with them, shoot them a message. Um, this whole spreading kindness challenge came directly from their page that I was able to share with you guys today and cultivate this awesome conversation. So we're going to pass it along to Dr. Rowe here at the eight o'clock hour. Thank you everyone for joining us. Um, Liza and I are here every 
Tuesday and Thursday from 7 to 8 a.m. And it is truly an honor to be among you. So good morning, Dr. Rowe. Good morning, lovely Joy. As always, you're a joy. And you know I love you because my middle name means joy as well. So thank you. Thank you for a wonderful segment. I uh, would first, before we um, dive into what we're going to talk about, which will be an extension to what you've shared, just want to welcome everyone to the Breakfast with Champions Millionaire Club. So excited to have you all here. Welcome to all the party hats that are in the room. Welcome to Clubhouse, period. You're at the best breakfast table amongst everyone in this room, not just on the stage, but all within the room. Jack came forward has increased its sales by over 136%. My name is Travis Flaherty. We have seen over 55% increase in sales. Jeremy Downing here. We finished our month off at not even a 20% increase, but a 30% increase. Hey guys, Jean-Paul Guidry here. Now I've experienced massive increases of 156%, collectively 125%. My name is Kevin Strasnatter. We went an increase of 50%. 50%, we went from 50 units to 75 units. We got a 39% growth in volume. This stuff works! I'm Glenn Lundy, creator of the 800% Club. The results that we've been getting out of the 800% Club are ridiculous. Everything that you just heard all happened in the first 90 days. So I want to open this up, helping more dealers across the country. We're now enrolling for 800% Club members. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. So if you haven't yet, please click on that greenhouse above Glenn, Stephen, and Scott. Join the club so you don't miss anything that's going to happen during the week and every single day within this club. So Joy talked about kindness and being important to others. And it's ironic, Joy, this morning I posted a video saying that it was nice to be important and more important, but more important to be kind. And I believe that is the way of life that we all should be. So I saw a couple of you flashing mics that wanted to share, and I want to extend this time to do so. I uh, will start with Allie and then Dr. Dooney. And if Dr. Janie is available, we will have um, some identification of others who flash mics because I want to make sure that you guys are available to share uh, this morning. So Allie, go ahead if you're still there. I am. Good morning, Dr. Rowe. Thank you. Um, it was really in my heart to share this this morning, and I know I've been up on the stage a couple of times and feel like maybe I should sit back and listen more than talk lately, but this is a story I wanted to, to share with everybody. So thank you for for bringing me up and allowing me to share. Um, so most of you know, if you've listened or been here, that my husband died from glioblastoma in November of two, 2016. Towards the end of his battle with that disease, he was unable to speak and lost the use of the right side of his body, so he was mostly bedridden. That was my oldest daughter's sophomore year of high school. Uh, here in Maryland, cheerleading is a is a competitive sport. Most girls that are in cheerleading have cheered since they were in kindergarten or even as young as four years old, and that was the case for my daughter. But as a sophomore, she was on the JV cheerleading team at her high school. And at tryouts earlier that year, she had expressed 
that she really wanted to make varsity because she wanted her dad to see her cheer varsity before he died. And she did not, um, which was fair. She wasn't a varsity cheerleader at that time. Uh, but she had expressed that desire to her coach. And so her coach and I conspired that she would get pulled up to varsity for one game during the season so that she could cheer and her dad could see her do that, which that in and of itself was an act of, of kindness that, that warmed my heart. Um, we were trying to figure out the logistics of doing that, whether it would be through FaceTime or video feed or something that way. Cause like I said, he was bedridden. Um, through the generosity of the community, this turned into something beyond my wildest dreams for my daughter. Our volunteer fire department volunteered to come over and transport him to the game, which they did. So they came over ahead of time. They had uh, paramedics and EMS personnel with us there at the game to be able to, to make sure he was safe and be able to transport him to and from. The high school marching band in the span of a week learned the armed services melody, which they played during the halftime of the game. One of our rival high school's cheerleading team, they had a bye that week, showed up in t-shirts that said, Patuxent High School Cheer Loves Huntingtown Cheer um, with the gray cancer ribbon, which is the uh, color for glioblastoma. Um, and many, many, many other uh, members of the community reached out and, and came to the game and poured out. But there was one girl in particular who was a senior on the team. It was her senior year. It was the third to last game of the season. And she had had some indiscretions on social media and had been suspended from two games, this being one of them. So Kate was pulled up to varsity and her dad was there to be able to see her, but she was going to have to cheer that night in her junior varsity cheer uniform because there weren't any additional varsity cheer uniforms for her to be able to cheer in. So even though the senior who was um, a little uh, disgruntled and upset that she had been suspended and was made to, to literally sit on the fence line and be visible, but not allowed to wear her uniform and participate, um, was humbled and think this way. She extended kindness to my daughter and ran up to the coach about 15 minutes before the game and asked if she could run home and get her uniform. And she ran home and got her uniform and came and grabbed Kate and literally the cheerleaders made a shield around her under the bleachers and Kate very quickly ch changed into a varsity uniform and was able to, to fully feel like uh, she was a varsity cheerleader that night. Um, my husband died two weeks after that. Um, so I wanted to share that story because then going forward into the pandemic, uh, in March of, of 2020, when every, when the entire country was being shut down, I own a small business that we were allowed to stay open because we were able to take our manufacturing equipment and begin making, uh, PPE, making masks. Um, as we all know, there was a shortage at that time. So we were allowed to stay open and because we were open, we began a campaign called Here for Good, and 
we allowed for, uh, without making any profit for ourselves, we allowed for small businesses that had been shut down in our community to have us produce products that they could sell online and we could fulfill um, and they would receive all of the profits from it. Uh, the only money we would keep would, would cover our, our very basic costs. We were able to raise uh, thousands of dollars for local businesses and through that and give that back to them. And through that, small there was a small business that was able to pay their lease. So they were able to, to maintain their commercial space, even though they were closed. We had others that were able to pay their electric bill. We had a dog rescue that then was able to uh, pay for the medications they needed for elderly dogs. And we also uh, printed banners for restaurants to say if they were open for, for takeout and delivery. And I'm not saying that to give myself a pat on the back by any stretch of the imaginations, but more so to say after that kindness from our community and such the outpouring was shown to us during that time of need, for two to four years after that, I I just struggled with how can I give back to my community? How can I return that favor and do that? I still don't feel like I have returned that favor in full, but it was a small way then that I could give back. Um, and some of the, the businesses that received from us were part of that effort that assisted my daughter and some of those businesses weren't. And my hope is going forward that we have taken a pebble and turned it into a marble and turned it into something much bigger and has gained momentum that now these businesses will also in our community pay that forward. So I just wanted to share that and I'm done speaking. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ellie. And on behalf of everyone at the Breakfast with Champions table, we are so sorry for your loss and thankful that you had people center around you to be there for your daughter and your family. And thank you for your husband's service as well. Thank you for being a mom who is supportive of your daughter as well. So thank you for that share. Dr. Dooney. Thank you so much. Um, thanks, Dr. Rowe. Thank you, champions. I'm so thrilled to be here with you all. Um, my take is how do you show kindness to someone who's been mean to you or hurt you? Um, there was a day I was in my clinic and what we normally do is we just click a button and um, the, the computer displays the patient's name in the waiting room and the patient is then directed to come to the consulting room to see you. On this fateful day, I had a patient come in and while we were discussing, was quite agitated. Now, we have a policy in the surgery when someone is um, aggressive, abusive, or you just don't feel right, you click the panic button, everybody comes running and kind of ushers the person out. On that particular day, while this person was saying so many mean things and somewhere downright sexist and racist, I felt a deep compassion for him. And I don't know what it was, but something made me not to hit that button. Um, while I was able to help to speak to him and look at what was going on in his life and see how we could help from a medical point of view, um, we were able to reach a resolution. So as I walked him down the corridor, 
which I don't normally do. He got to the end and broke down in tears. And he says, doctor, I'm sorry. I was actually going to kill myself. And so his relative had made this appointment for him. And he was just so angry with everything going on that he had plans that when he had seen someone, not with the aim of getting a solution, he was planning to kill himself. But by virtue of not just saying, well, this is the rule, you've been mean, you've said nasty things, come on, get out of my room, how dare you, kind of thing. He felt that there was a reason for him to be here. At that moment, I think I, I had a, it was, it was so touching and it reminded me of why I went into the medical profession in the first place. Moments before I was like, why am I even here? <laughs> but right now, thinking about that, I'm just like, wow, there are times you need to show kindness to people, even when they hurt you, even when they're mean to you. My father always said something. He says, you need to show kindness to people, even when they are your enemies because it's just like heaping coals on their head. And you're not doing it to hurt them, but you're doing it to give yourself joy and to also give them grace if they choose to accept it. I'm Dr. Dooney and I'm done speaking, Isabel. Wow. Thank you so much, Dr. Dooney. And we appreciate the medical profession you're in and the fact that you have profoundly shared how important the work <clears throat> you do is to save others. So thank you very, very much. There are other people who have stories. We're just going to do a couple more before we segue into just the last 15 minutes and I give it to the next person. Um, can you flash your mic so that Dr. Janie can see it? But before that, I just want to do a quick share myself. I and, and guys, please don't laugh at me. You can if you want to. But when I was 21 years old, you know, and that was just yesterday or so, I moved to Minnesota from Florida and I had been raised in a, in a religion where I didn't know a lot about history. And I walked over to my neighbor's house and there was a picture on the wall. And I said, oh my goodness, you look just like your father. And he was looking at me like I had four heads. And I said, what's wrong with you? He said, you don't know who that is? I'm like, no, I, I don't. I thought it was your dad. And he said, that is Malcolm X. So at 21 years old, I had no idea like black history and other things. And what happened out of that is a woman down the street and she was a Caucasian woman who taught history. She gave me her entire library of things about Africa and other places so that I could learn. And that's where I became an avid reader to advocate for so many things and then you know turned into the professor that I became and the things I'm doing now. And that's what attracted me to this room of Breakfast with Champions because there's so many champions in here that have taught me things that I have been able to pour into and the kindness that people show genuinely with no ask. Glenn, starting with him, and I'm not gonna turn this into a pouring session, but I have to shout him out. Thank you, Glenn, for being so kind for nothing. When you ask him, Glenn, what do you need? He's like, just pay it forward to other people. Dr. Janie, uh, Dr. Shine, in the mornings, just saying, hi, don't ask for anything. Kimberly, Alpha Six, just so many on this stage. Joy, um, just many of you. Vernita, just to say, hi, how are you? And that have helped me in my own grief journey. So just being kind has changed my life in the two months that I've been on this stage and in this room and family. 
And I just want to thank all of you for that positivity and for lifting me and others up. You just don't know how much that means. So thank you. Dr. Janie, do you have um, others that have flashed their mics? And we'll just do two more. And then I have a special surprise this morning just to uh, segue us out for the last 15 minutes. Go ahead. Yes, I saw a GI and Tony Mo. Good morning, champion. Hey, good morning, Dr. Rowe. Uh, good morning, champions, Glenn, uh, Alpha Six, and Steven. Oh, my God. You know, just your generosity has been tremendous and enjoying going through the journey with you. But I wanted to, you know, ask a question or pose a thought. You know, what is the difference between generosity and kindness? So many times... Um, People mention kindness, but I say generosity because you didn't have to do it. It's it's, kind of similar to a story in the Bible where there was a woman on the side of the road that needed help, but so many people passed by. And in my mind, the person, the man who stopped to help her was generous. And, uh, you know, just the generosity of knowledge, advice, you know, inspiration on this stage has been life-changing for me, and I'm thankful and honored. This is GI God Inspired. Love you so much. That great thing to ponder over. So appreciative of you and your service. You're amazing. Thank you so much. And last, uh, Tony Mo, you're going to be the last share, and, and thank you so much, all of you, for everything you have shared about being kind and joyful, and I just pray that we all continue to do this every single day, not just today. Go ahead, Tony Mo. Grand rising, everyone. Um, thank you so much for the stage. Um, kindness, that is something that we should all live by. Um, I just have a quick story. Um, I met who I know to be my mother in a past life. She's a client of mine. But when this lady came into my life, when I tell you it was at the the perfect time, long story short, um, I was pregnant and um, in between jobs. And if I tell you, I did not have to buy not one diaper. The time that, from the time my daughter was born, it was just a blessing to our family. Every time she got her hair done and she came to my house knowing that I was on maternity leave and got her hair done. But when she came, she came always with a box of diapers. Um, and later, like I said, I found out that she, that's how I, I look at her as um, a mother figure. And she likes to call herself my sister because she doesn't feel like she's old enough to be my mother. But, um, and, and I just want to share this other story. I was in the bank one day and, you know, sometimes we go through things and we never know why we went through them. Well, when I first got a bank account years ago in those overdrafts, I was trying to be, you know, independent and didn't want to ask my mom for money and things like that. And I had overdraft charges and I can remember going to the bank saying, but I got to feed my baby. Like I need my money. I need to figure this out. And I just did not know what to do. So I had to break down and ask my mom for money, which I did not want to do. Well, that years later here, about a couple of months ago, I was in the bank and this girl was at the bank and she was just irate and saying, I got it. It just reminded me of me. And so in that moment, God laid it on my heart. I, 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 I was telling myself, no, I'm gonna mind my business. And he said, intervene. I said, no. And that feeling was so heavy. But when I intervened, I pulled her to the side and I, I just 
calmed her down and I told her, I said, listen, sometimes you have to stop talking and just listen to what he's saying. And I said, you being all right right now, I said, it's not going to change anything. But basically, I gave her words of kindness and uplift and uplifted her. And then I prayed for her in that moment. And she was able to just kind of calm down and take a breath and step back to the counter and everything in the end worked out and she told me i had given her one of my business cards and she told me thank you so much because it was just a misunderstanding it was just a misunderstanding but in that moment it was so big for her because her i because of her child she said i don't have diapers i don't have milk i don't have food i need my money and it was just on my heart at that time if she need money now i'm finna step up to the bank and i'm just gonna have to give her some money but all it took was an act of kindness to diffuse the situation and to pray and in that moment everything changed so thank you dr rose thank you joy thank you everyone here i really appreciate the stage this is tony mo and i'm complete Tony Mo, thank you so much for being a beacon of light to others. Wow. We always appreciate your shares and everything you speak of. And I thank you all for being kind. And now for the last 15 minutes, I would like to have the opportunity to reintroduce you to our special guest yesterday. I know people DM me like, what happened? And, you know, God always brings things about so that we can be able to do that. Right on this stage with us is the amazing Gloria Mayfield Banks. We talked to her yesterday about how we can be successful, how to quantum leap. And for those of you who don't know her, just Google her. That's what I'm going to say right now so I don't spend time um, speaking about her bio. But she is an amazing woman of God who has done so many for so many people, uh, monetarily, physically, emotionally, and has change lives forever, not just on the Oprah show, but here in Breakfast with Champions. So for the last few minutes, I'm going to hand the mic to Ms. Gloria Mayfield Banks as she just gives us some tangible tips about how to quantum leap on an excelling uh, level. Pull out your pa papers and pens, guys. You're going to need it. Go ahead, Gloria. Thank you so much. Wow, Dr. Rowe, that is so exciting. Thank you for so much for those kind words. I appreciate that. I'm so glad to be with you guys again. The Breakfast with Champions, Breakfast with Champions, Breakfast with Champions. That stays on my mind so much because I love hanging out with people who are champions and people who want to be champions. My whole journey has been with people who want to be champions, ambitious people who want to move forward. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to talk to you guys and just give you guys these steps that I've used over and over and over again. And I've trained over and over and over again. So I don't bring you these steps because I think they work. I'm going to bring you something that I know for a fact when you grasp these things and you become better at them over and over and over again, they can make a huge difference for you. I do want to say this, that as I built a number one team, it did start with kindness. I absolutely love that topic. And the reason I tell you that is because my first experience at breaking a very big record, and I don't care if you're an individual entrepreneur by yourself, or if you lead a team, or if you're on a team, we are all playing for a bigger purpose. We are all playing for a bigger, uh, bigger land that we are contributing to. And so 
my um, person that I was working with, she wanted to earn a trip to Switzerland. And I decided to be a big player because before that I was doing okay. And then I was doing okay. And then she said, I want to do something big because she said she wanted to do something big. I said, I want to be a big player because I said, I want to be a big player. I changed so many other people's lives because people's dreams are tied to your dreams. And my dream was tied to her dream. And so I just want to tell you that there's a lot of different ways that you can spark a tremendous passion, particularly if you're looking for it. So I'm going to give you these 10 steps that I've used over and over and over again with a lot of people, not only to produce my own quantum leaps, but to help a lot of other people produce their quantum leaps as well. Okay. So the first one I want to tell you of these 10 steps is the decision, making decisions. And this is what I want to tell you in the two tremendously hard years that I attended Harvard Business School. The biggest thing they taught us was how to make decisions. There's a lot of different ways to make decisions, but one of the biggest things was um, the how to make it, meaning if it's a bad decision, you can fix it. If it's a good decision, you're gonna be able to kill it. But the most important thing is to make decisions. And the biggest problem people have with decisions is they take too long to mm. be decisive. Come on. That is the biggest thing mm -hmm. is that you ask somebody to make a decision and the first thing they will tell you is, well, get back to me, get back to me. And there's no reason. It's just that they refuse to take the step across the line. So the worst place to be is on the fence of indecision if you sit, look at a picket fence and you're sitting on it, it's a very painful place. So the first thing I want to tell you guys is in order to have a quantum leap, you must be decisive and learn the art of making a decision. The second thing is confidence. I talked a lot about that yesterday, but confidence is the it factor. And what I want to tell you about confidence is this. Confidence has to be redeveloped over and over and over again. You get to a level, you have to redevelop your confidence. You get to another level, you enter confidence. You get to another level, you enter the confidence. When I was at the top of my game at another level, I thought I was so confident. It was just like, I was on it. I was breaking records. It was like, bam. And then I entered the next level. I walked into the room of the people of the next level and I was like, wow. That's why the breakfast of champ with champions is so powerful because you guys put yourself in this place where you have to take yourself to the next level. And so one of the things I do is if you DM me, I have a free gift for you and you just DM me the word next. If you go to my Instagram and DM me the word next by following my profile there at the bottom, you'll see it for those of you who might be new on Clubhouse. One of the big gifts that you can have by being on this is to associate with people who are taking your mindset to the same location. Okay, so if you do that, that will be a really powerful thing for you because you'll be able to understand why I'm so passionate about helping other people become unstuck to quantum leap with their confidence. The third one is vision, imagination, and belief. Vision, imagination, and belief. I know many of you have heard this. If you can believe it, you can do it. If you can believe it, you can do it. But what, how do you get from, I want it, 
to a, I have to have it. I always call it, how do you get from the want to lane to the got to lane? What will shift it? And I will tell you that you have a muscle that's called your imagination that gets diminished in life. Meaning disappointment diminishes your imagination muscle. If you can remember when you were a small child, your imagination muscle was huge. You really believed that you could jump to the top of the building. I mean, you really believed that you could run at the speed of a bullet. So then life happens, discouragement happens. You get into a relationship, you break up. You know, the stories, we know all the stories. It's just important for you to know that that's a muscle you have to recreate. And so to get to a higher level, you have to be able to see it. You have to take time to visualize. Some people call it meditation. Some people call it prayer. Some people call it quiet time. You've heard this many times. They say, stop. What are you doing when you're stopping? You're imagining what you're creating. See it first and you can create it. Number four, I call it Gloria STEM. (laughs) This is your skill management your time management, your emotional management, or your money management. These are the four things, you guys, seriously. I could break this down. I could spend all day on this. In breaking these four things down, if you ask anybody when they come to you and you ask them, are you frustrated? And they say, yes. Ask them, is it because you don't have the skill set you need? Is it because you haven't mastered your time? Is it because you haven't mastered your emotions? Or is money the issue that you're dealing with right now? And I don't mean the kind of money where you need more money. Glenn's been talking about that, and I have absolutely loved that part of this segment is where he talks on hashtag rise and grind about we need more money. But I'm talking about the money that's necessary to move you forward toward your goal. Okay, number five is goal setting. Okay, ooh-wee. Roe asked me yesterday, Dr. Roe asked me yesterday, the two things that I thought made such a difference. One of them is confidence. The other is goals. But I don't just mean goals. I mean the type of goals that will move you forward quickly. And that's called a right now passionate goal. It is the type of goal where things that are a distraction will ping off of you. Like they disappear when you're in the midst of a passionate goal. And all of you will know what I'm talking about when you have something that has to happen. And I give people this example. If you've ever held, had a, you've entertained or you've held Thanksgiving dinner and you know that, you know, 10, 20 of your favorite people are coming over to your house and you want it to be great. And on Sunday, you don't clean the house because you don't feel like it. On Monday, you don't clean the house, you don't feel like it. On Tuesday, you don't feel like it. But on Wednesday, holy camoly, you can stay up 24 hours. Your mother-in-law is coming over. You clean the windows. You mow the lawn. I mean, you do everything. You're at 340. They're coming at 4 o'clock. At 345, you're yelling at your kids, get trash, put that on, get that trash, blah, blah, blah. At 4 o'clock, you open up the doors and everything looks wonderful. That's a right now passion to go. You don't answer your the phone, you don't get distracted on social media, nothing happens because at four o'clock you have a vision of what you want it to look like 
and the way you want it to turn out. Same with when you're in school. You know you got a big test and you don't feel like studying. You don't feel like studying. And the day before this test, you're up 24 hours. It's called a right now passionate goal. And so people will have goals in place, but they don't, they're not driven by passion and it shuts them down. I'm going to quickly go over these last five. Number six is image, the way you look. The way you look on the inside, the way you feel on the inside, the way you look on the outside. People have exactly seven seconds to size you up when they first see you. And they're going to see you enjoy. I tell people, and even when I'm talking to people on the phone and they're calling me for mentorship, and I said, do you want me to see you as your problem or do you want me to see you as your possibility? Because before you tell me what your situation is, think about how you want people to see you. It doesn't take away any of the truth. It doesn't take away any of the authenticity. It takes away the way you choose to deliver. Do you want to deliver the information to me all wrapped up in a ball of emotions that will not give me the information I need to give you the great guidance so that you can quantum leap? Or are you going to give it to me in such a way like this is the deal? This is why I'm so upset. And this is what has to happen. And so you got to be able to manage your image in every way. And in, under image, I want to um, cause you guys to be cautious about the type of quality you give out from your office, from how you operate, from what you do. Because it is, the, it is in the image of how people see you that they give you opportunities that you would not otherwise have. Pay attention because champions pay attention. Image is also obviously aligned with your brand. Whew, I can go so deep into how people see you. And that's why I choose to go under the brand super bad all day long. I'm looking to be super bad all day long. And I'm looking to make sure you operate in the space of super bad all day long. Number eight, you guys, is discipline and hustle. What I want to tell you is that I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your education has been. I don't care what your family circumstances are. I don't care what upbringing you've had, challenges. What I do care about is how hard are you willing to go in the paint for what you really want. I tell people often, I am not here to persuade you to become successful. I am not here to coddle you to be successful. Do not act like I'm inspired to get you to see more for yourself if you're not willing to fight for yourself. But understand, I am so inspired to make sure you see more for yourself. So you want more for yourself. So you hustle more for yourself. I take people who are excited to engage in doing more, to gain more, to give more. And that's why I get so excited because I believe once you have more, you can give more. So if I have more discipline, I can give more discipline. If I have more hustle, I can give more hustle. And when I go hard in the paint, I know for a fact, the Bible verse, iron sharpens iron, is what drives 
other people so much because they see what other people, you guys, come on, getting on every day with breakfast for the, with champions has driven some of you to a place you have not been before. Glenn starting with a rise and grind at 5 a.m., taking it to Facebook. I mean, that is a hustle and a grind that inspires so many other people that when they think about stopping, they will go the extra yard. You have to remember, the reason I teach that class, Queendom, so that you can be better for yourself, better for your family, better for your community, and therefore better for your career is because of what you show other people and that they will grasp from you. Number nine is people skills. People skills and leadership skills. And I always tell people that people skills is something that you learn. It is not how you just act. It is have you engaged the art of how someone else feels when they're in your space? Have you worked on affirming other people? Are you a true lid lifter? Do you know how your words edify? Are you willing to encourage when other people are not? Are you willing to say to somebody, girl, I mean, for real, you look amazing today and you are giving me the kind of vibes that I love to receive. So thank you. Are you willing to make the cashier at Walmart feel like a zillion bucks and remember you for the rest of their day? What are you doing with your people skills to edify other people? in their journey, not in your journey, but in their journey. And number 10 is the short-term sacrifice. The short-term sacrifice. There is absolutely no way to have a quantum leap in anything that you're doing if you're not willing to shift and change for the minute. I remember climbing in my entrepreneurial business and my friends would say, Gloria, you know, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are you working so hard? Why da, 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 da. And I just, I had to block them off. I had to block them. And I love them. They're still my friends, but I had to block them because they could not see what I could see. And they weren't willing to do what I was willing to do. And those same people get postcards from the 40-some countries I've been in, the six continents I've trained in. It's way more than 40. But, I mean, the point is, is that I've seen the world I've trained all over the world. I've taught these things over and over again in different languages, two different people, two different industries because of the short-term sacrifices that I was willing to make. And when my kids were small, one and two years old, and the mommy guilt were dripping all over me, I mean all over me, I knew in that moment that I was creating for them something better. So, Ro, that's what I wanted to bring today. I hope you guys DM me next because it's been a privilege and an honor to hang out with you guys on this amazing day, Breakfast with Champions. Hey guys. For hey. Gloria Mayfield Banks. Let's give her a round of applause, guys, on stage. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Wow. Hey, Woo! That was awesome. What happened to uh, Tony Moore? I was trying to follow her, the okay. story person. That was amazing. Thank, thank you, thank you, you thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Glory Mayfield Banks. You have been absolutely amazing. And anyone that would like more information, please reach out to her on Instagram uh, for her 
class as well as her coaching. She's just amazing. I've known her 30 years. I mean, it's she's just amazing, period. The mic drop. With that, I am going to hand the mic to Glenn because I know he's going to transition to the next person, but I also would like for him to um, have a moment to to um, give a comment to Gloria because he wasn't able yesterday. Glenn, are you there? <laughs> Is Glenn not there again? Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, alrighty, guys. So we are going to segue. So Dr. In, yeah, I was yes, going to say, Dr. Rowe, I'm, I'm up next. So I'm happy to, to take oh. the mic for a minute and help share. Okay. So it's not Darian. Okay. All right. Um, Is Darian so here? Did we get yes, confused on the phone? Yes, he is. Yes. Um, they told me he was coming on at 839. So if are you at 839 instead of him? Maybe we both are and we didn't know it. God is good all the time. <laughs> but he's on the okay, phone right well, now. So. Well, let me just transition here. Um, we have the amazing Miss Tamara that is going to take the next segment away. I've had the opportunity to meet her in person. She's like, my sister from another mister, and just a kind, sweet, loving woman of God with so many gems to drop, just like Gloria Bayfield Banks. With that, let's give a warm welcome to Miss Tamara. Thank you so much. I want to have to first say, Gloria, wow, thank you for that. I was so excited to hear from you firsthand. We'd actually been in the DM for a little while, so I hope to have you on my podcast soon because holy cow, anybody in the room, did we just mic flash and applaud? Anybody who wants to come off mic and just say, whoop, whoop to Gloria, that was incredible. Yes, I love it. That's so, kind, that's kind. Thank you so much. That's <laughs> kind, thank you. You're so welcome, you're incredible. Uh, so I'm excited and I wanna continue the conversation and obviously if Darian, do, Darian does jump back on and he was intended to go, we can uh, segue together, but I will take it from here. But I wanna just kind of shake the room up a bit and get us moving. I know Glenn's all about movement and energy. And so this is going to culminate kind of the morning of kindness of money and have that conversation going. So I hope you get out of your chair. I hope if you're driving, you take some tunes to the next level and tune in to this awesome song by Manic Drive called Money. Guess what? The Breakfast with Champions podcast airs live every single day, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. only on the Clubhouse app. So make sure to download Clubhouse and go check out Breakfast with Champions. You're not going to regret it. See you there. 
All right, y'all. I know we've been talking money all week, and I am a believer in good money in good hands will create great impact. And the intent for that is for us to realize that if you're in this room right now or at this table right now, as we like to say in Breakfast with Champions, you're one of those good people. I believe in the goodness and the heart of goal that each of us are given from birth. And it is our birthright to actually activate in that goodness in order to serve in the unique way that we're called to. And so today we're going to be talking about self-control with our money. Uh, That is an actual fruit of the spirit. And if you're not familiar with what the fruits of the spirit are, regardless of your faith, regardless of your belief system, I believe you can get behind these. Um, They're actually in my profile. So if you haven't seen them before, you can check them out screenshot them, Uh, goodness, kindness, love, uh, joy, peace, um, gentleness, and then the two that are often missed or pushed to the side are forbearance and self-control. And self-control is a fruit of the Spirit because just like Gloria was talking about specifically um, in her, I believe it was number 10. Um, No, it's not number 10. I have to go back to my notes, um, but is in the knowing that if, oh, here it is, number four, the skill management, the time management, the emotional management, and the money management, there is self-control when it comes to management, and money specifically is one of those critical pieces that if we are not willing to steward, know how to steward, or actually understanding through the mindset of money that abundance is ours. It is a gift, right? It is a belief system. And so it's so important for us to be able to have that understanding of what is manifestation of money and what is our bank account intended to do? How can we serve through that place? Uh, And so we're going to go through an acronym. So I'm going to give you the acronym first so you can write it down and knowing that I'm sticking to this 15-minute slot. So whoever's on nine, um, you can be ready to go. I won't go over. So here we go. M, motivation matters. Opportunity. N is to neutralize necessity. E is energy experience. And Y is yielding versus yearning. We're going to start out with this understanding of motivation matters and these words that are not just critical for money, but the words that are critical for our motivation. They can actually fall into parenthood, they can fall into your work life balance. They can fall into uh, your parenting and marriage. And marriage, we know a lot, comes down to divorce, sadly. And the reason that that's happening is because of our money. And so being able to steward it is also a way that we can serve each other beautifully in our relationships. And so here we go. Understanding to never use the word never or always. And I just said never use never intentionally. Because if you never have enough money, what does that do to your brain as you say that? You're always lacking. You don't even want to create motivation around money because you never have enough. But if you flip that in that perspective of I always have enough, you now are attracting that money to your pocket. You're now attracting that motivation to say it's not about the money. It's about the good work and the money is just a resource that comes as a significant piece to existence. And yet at the same time, if we put money to the side as a never need, we're actually denying that birthright that I told you about because money actually existed in the Garden of Eden. 
it, gold was implanted there. And if gold was implanted in the place of foundation, then we need to know that there is significance in it. And yet you heard earlier somebody talking about that belief system that was taught that money is the root of all evil. Something that I'm really passionate about sharing and helping people with is that, that ministry mentality towards money. That you're expected to give, 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 give of your gifts and talents. And that money is not a culprit of reward when it comes to the church. And yet I was just talking to a pastor down in Florida the other day, and they were talking about how every single person who steps foot on the stage for the worship team gets paid. And I thought that was miraculous because there is so much time that goes into just that one piece of a church operating. And it's no different than your team. It's no different than everybody who comes into play at your office. It's no different for you. And so I had sat next to a gal and we were coaching together and, and I expressed to her as a fundamental of like, what would you charge? What are you thinking based on the incredible gifts and talents that you have that you've been cultivating over the course of the last 20 years? The storyline that you've walked through, the passion, the purpose, what is motivating you? And she said, uh, I don't know, I'm thinking like $35 an hour. Meanwhile, she's drinking out of a $60 Yeti cup. Do you see a valuation problem with that? Do you see a worth issue with that? So we went through the entire conversation of money, this motivation, this ownership, this neutralizing, this energy experience, and this yielding versus yearning process over the course of the next three months. Then she was not only earning the ROI of at day one, she was duplicating that multiplication is also a biblical understanding if we steward it well, if we have self-control. And so in the ownership opportunity, Glenn shared earlier the 70-10-10-10 rule. And I love that. I think it, it is thing. I'm not 100% sure. But I know for me personally, I didn't understand the process of money. I didn't understand its worth. I didn't understand its need until much later in life. And that's because of the, the beautiful home that my parents raised me in and the gifts and talents that they had just in their own lifestyle that we were given a lot. You know, you could say that word privilege, right? My first car was only a year old when I got it and it was brand new to the family. I went to college in what I appeared to be freely, but I found out later was student loans. So I didn't really comprehend it well. I was gifted a car at graduation, and for a year, I didn't have to make payments. But guess what? After that year of gift, the money came knocking at my door, and I wasn't able to, to know how to serve well with it. And so now we teach our children this concept of 10, 30, 20, 40. So you're raising 10, 20, 30, 40, right? You're going in order so that they can understand it easily. That equals 100, in case you were curious. 10% tithe, right? Glenn said this in his 10% as well. So there is value in the giving, the value in knowing that it wasn't yours in the owning. And then you go into 20% saving. We want to start them early in that perspective because as entrepreneurs, we don't do it the same way. My husband and I, when I was 30, walked into a financial advisor's office and we sat down with our, our finances and we said, well, this is where we're at. 
at that point, I had two different businesses that I had been running for the last few years. One was a brick and mortar store and online retail boutique. And another was a global company uh, that I had helped to design a nursing bra with, both of which I had closed in the last year. The global company is still global. It's just not in my ownership because I wasn't in the self-control mentality of how I was supposed to be handling my money, my time, my emotions. And the last one that Gloria said it's gonna is my skill. And so we sat there and he said, we asked this question, how much does everybody else, the quote unquote normal nine to five, the quote unquote traditional life cycle of go to high school, go to college, get a job, how much do they have in their 401k right now? And he looked at us and he was like, why would you ask that question? We're like, well, we're trying to like gauge how much money do we need to put in here in order to have this much saved by the time we enter retirement. And he started laughing. He said, it's not going to matter even if I tell you, because that's not how you're going to use your money. Because as an entrepreneur, we put our money where our mouth is. We put our money where our belief system is, the vision that's God given us, and we, we invest it into that place. And so we had done that so much so that all of our life savings up until that point had been put into a place that no longer I, I don't have any ownership to. So what appeared to be a loss actually ended up appearing to be a build after we came back to it full circle three years later and said, what do you want to do with your life? Oh, I want to coach. What are you coaching from? Gloria talked about those building from failures. You learn from the wrong decisions. I have so much wisdom in that area to be able to serve people to say, hey, don't do this because it's just as critical to know what not to do as it is to know what to do. So we got 10% tithing, 20% in savings, which we have diversification in, very important, but that's a whole nother conversation. Then we've got 30% taxes. So when my kids get a dollar or 10 or 20, they literally have a little uh, piggy bank that has the four slots here and they can put it inside of these different areas and 30% taxes. You're like, whoa, that's high. We're setting them up for success. We're setting them up to know that this is actually not ours. And all of us in some, no matter what state you live in, you're, you're paying it out and you don't want to. I believe it was Hannah yesterday who was sharing that she was made six figures and the big man upstairs, not upstairs, thank goodness. He doesn't come for savings for uh, taxes. Big Sam came knocking for 30 grand and she didn't have it. Because when you get money and you don't understand the self-control of the system, you're going to spend it, right? And so she now knows the importance of saving for those taxes. And then the 40% is your spend bucket. And I loved what Amanda did earlier this week, and we talked about it today too, is why do you want the money and where are you going to spend it? I started out with that song because so often, especially now in secular music, we hear often about the rich and the famous, the glamorous, all the things that money can buy, and yet we know that it's lacking joy because the material piece of the things that I have saved up for eventually lose their value. But the things that I invest in from an intrinsic place have so much more value. And it keeps on compounding with value. Your joy has no cap. Your love has no cap. Your kindness, as we talked about with joy, has no cap. That sense of goodness, and yet it really is premised 
on that forbearance and self-control. So ownership opportunity, I'm going to go through these next ones pretty quickly because I've got a thousand stories for all of them. But ownership, if you are postured in a place of greed, if your fists are closed when you're given money, no different than the, the parable about the three different servants who were given different amounts of money, the one who buried the treasure because he was afraid to lose it, the one who was greedy in that desire, it never multiplied like we talked about. And it also was taken from him. But yet, if your hands are wide open and something is given to you, you can pass it to the very next person. It easily flows through you. And so with a mentality or a mantra, you can practice this money flows to me and through me. Money flows to me and through me. I say this all the time because if we are here just as conduits to the kingdom, conduits to witness and showcase his love, his grace, his mercy, then what is given to me in the flesh, even if it was gifted in the Garden of Eden as a tool and a resource, is only that. If I can't pass that resource to someone else, I'm starving who's connected to me. And so good money and good hands making great impact can only happen if my hands are wide open, if I'm postured in that understanding of tithing in the stewarding of my taxes, in the saving for what's to come, and the spending on things that do have forever value. The next one is to neutralize necessity. Neutralize money. If money is not a king in your life, it is not an idol in your life, and it's just that understanding of resource, it's not evil and it's not great, right? And so there's this understanding that if it's open-palmed, it's just a thing. It's just a byproduct of. Now, does that mean that I don't want you to be a millionaire? No, I want you to be a millionaire because I know that what's going to happen with that good money, it's going to flow through you, right? And you're going to do magnificent things. But that understanding of more money, more problems is not true if you have a premise of self-control. Understand that self-control and money connected creates impact, creates two comma club, three comma club. Next one is E for energy experience. Money is an energy. If every object has energy, which we know to be true, then a dollar bill a $10 bill, a $100 bill has energy to it as well. But if you're creating negative energy when that money is given to you, whether under greed or under this I need, need, need perspective, rather than I earn, I am worthy of, I am valuable enough as a birthright, as a child of God, you are already prosperous. You are already abundant. And therefore it flows. The energy that comes to it is a beautiful exchange of all of those other fruits of the spirit. It's literally just a piece of paper. It's just a coin. And so understanding that energy in God's eyes, when we provide gratitude to that thing, part of the morning five, it's all connected. I love it so much. If we practice gratitude towards that money, 
and those prayers that are so integral towards our money exchange and belief system of, God, we thank you that you provide this resource so that we can live out the vision that you have for our lives, not we have, that you have. That favor of God that people yearn for, that favor that is so over top of so many beautiful people connected here, right here on this stage. When you see favor from other people, it's not the money piece. It's the fullness piece. It's the wholeness piece because they have self-control towards the use of. And lastly is the why to money. And that's the yielding versus the yearning. If you yield to your gifts and talents, naturally the gift of money comes. But if you are yearning and money is your only topic of conversation, the thing you wake up to do and get and the thing you struggle with when you go to bed because you don't have enough, you are not yielding to the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life and his desire to serve you. But the most important piece to all of this in self-control and earning and saving and giving and sharing and utilizing this resource, the fundamental piece is action. And so I had this beautiful opportunity to witness this gal, Megan, the Embrace Your Ambition conference uh, a couple months or a couple weeks ago, still weeks. And she stood up on stage and she talked about money and she talked about she's going to buy herself a Louis Vuitton. And I watched her all weekend mesmerized by her talent, mesmerized by a gift that she had never used, one that she didn't even recognize in herself. And when I had an opportunity to stand on stage, I could have affirmed her quietly, but I think public affirmation is so, so important. And I told her and I asked her the question, what if you are the Louis Vuitton? What if you are the richness of the thing you desire? If it's a birthright that we are rich, then why are we extrinsically looking for something to make us happy? When we have a desire that's burning inside of us to fill a hole, to fill a, a place in your wallet, when in fact it's never meant to be ours. It's meant to grow the kingdom. And so I hope that this blesses someone today. Money mantra is so critical, ultimately all coming down to self-control. Motivation matters. Ownership opportunity. It's an opportunity to earn. Neutralize the necessity of it energy experience, energize the thing coming to you or the thing that you already have in gratitude and yield to it instead of yearn for it. This is Tamara and I am done for the day. Who do I get the pleasure of introducing next? What's up, beautiful? Darian, yeah. What's up, brother? Doing well. How about yourself? Fabulous. Absolutely love it. Thank you for jumping in and doing what you do. Uh, it's crazy. I was talking to Glenn yesterday, and I was going to help out this morning after I got out of the shower and had a phone call. And I love the fact we matter that even in the midst of things, we can jump in and take care and, and bring value even in a last second thing. So thank you for jumping in um, the last 10, 15 minutes and just filling in some gaps and filling in some spots. Appreciate you, my girl. I appreciate you. Well, this morning, um, 
it's going to actually be Lauren, uh, Lauren Lavender's segment, but she is amazing and beautiful and wonderful. And she was just like, hey, Darian, I want you to come in and share what you had on your heart to share this morning. And I was like, all right, let's make it happen. And so the, the question, the topic where I am this morning, where my heartbeat is and where it has been, honestly, since Monday is the question, who do you need and have you let them know lately what they mean to you? Um, and that's huge for me. Uh, and I'll explain why. But before I explain why, Miss Joy Farley, would you mind resetting the room for us? I got you, my friend. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Breakfast with Champions. It is the nine o'clock hour, and I just love hearing Darian speak, period. Um, you are in Breakfast with Champions. Y'all, we're here every single day from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m., Monday through Friday. We're here on Saturdays for the amazing sales meeting from 6 to about noon, and then on Sunday, if you're not in Club 111, what are you doing with your life? Um, Darian and Dr. Amy and the whole crew will have you set up for the week. Your spirit will be filled, ready to rock and roll on Monday. So be sure to follow the club right over Dr. Rose's beautiful face. Um, you don't want to miss out on rooms like this in your hallway. Be sure to follow a friend. You never know who's beside you, above you, below you, around you. And if no one has told you today, we're so glad that you're here. So take it away, Darian. Can't wait to hear what you and Lauren have to share. Thanks, girl. So with that question, with that question, who do you need and have you let them know lately what they mean to you? Um, this morning, I just kind of wanted to have a heartbeat check, um, what that means, where, where we are, not boasting about anything. Um, my phrase that I love, that I'm living by, that I'm walking in, it's not being arrogant, but it's being authorized, understanding that you are uniquely made. There's no one that is you. No one was born the day that you were born, lived the life that you lived and gotten you to this spot to be in the presence and to speak on the things that God has called you to do. So living in that reality of this is where I'm sitting in and this is what's going on. But for me, I had to have a gut check and say, you know, who's in my world and have I let them know what they mean to me? You know, we just recently celebrated Father's Day. And I had to, to walk through a lot of different things. Why? Because there were people that were kind of, not kind of, there were people that were reaching out to me and talking to me that I had no clue that I had impact in their life. And they would say things like, Darian, I'm so thankful that you're in my world. Darian, I'm so thankful for the, the fathership that you have shown me, even though you are not my dad, even though you are um, my age or just a little bit older than me or even younger than me. And so I had to just get this reality check of sometimes we don't see and understand the impact that we have. But even more so, I had to then come to grips with who's in my world that needs to know what they mean to me, not just the father, anybody. And so then I started walking through this community aspect again. And I'm like, man, who, who are my people? And do my people know that they're my people? Like, yes, obviously, like your inner circle, your crew, your, your tribe, they know. But sometimes it's so good to just have this moment, have this time just to speak in to say, hey, I just need to let you know what you mean to me and who you are to me. And what that does is a couple things. One, it reassures the fact that 
you you are there for people and people are there for you and you're speaking life into them and also you're giving them a, that ability to, and understanding to know that they have the authority and the ability to speak into your life and so one of the things um darian you're of, my people <laughs> well you're my people d you're my people d I love you, fool, because it's actually funny. You are you are one of the people that I was going to talk about this morning. And it's not one of those things because some people will be like, and this is just the reality of the app and the reality of people and the reality of mindsets and heartbeats. It's like, oh, Darian's going to talk about Glenn because it's Glenn's room. Oh, Darian's going to speak on Glenn because Glenn's the top left. And so he wants to be recognized and noted and notori notoriety and all these things. Glenn has 88,000 followers and Darian only has six. And so let's talk through this. Like Darian's just trying to be seen. I'm like, no, Glenn and I do life together. Glenn and I have conversations outside of this app. Glenn and I knew each other well before this app came and well before quote unquote, Glenn was a good person like i knew glenn when he was in the trenches the same way glenn, hey shade bro, and hey the best part about it lord the shade of it all it's the realness shade. of it all because we have a relationship and glenn talks about his story glenn talks about how he was homeless glenn talks about the lifestyle that he was living all the different aspects but he also talks about the fact of the matter that i've been either to his house or to the hospital to bless every single one of his babies. He talks about the fact of the matter that I met him in a bowling alley when he didn't know Jesus, when he didn't know this, that, or the other, and we walked through life together. But also what I talk about is the heartbeat of who Glenn is and what he means to me. The fact that he believed in me far before most anybody else did. The fact of the matter that he paid for multiple times for me to go to New York in audition for Broadway when no one even knew about it. He didn't flash that out. He didn't write a receipt about it. He wasn't like this, that, that. He was like, D, what you need? Oh, you're doing this? Dope. I already booked the flight for it. Don't even worry about it. Go, go to New York and do your business. And so the fact of the matter is, is with Glenn and I, the relationship stands, but also to know that I can call him out and he can call me out. Things happen, things go on. The relationship is a real thing. And so to be able to speak and say, man, Glenn, Know that I love you and know that I'm here for you and know that whatever you need, I'm good for. Know whatever you need, like both back and forth, it's there. And so that's why literally he calls me and he's just like, hey, D, guess what? I'm going to be in New York end of July. I need you to come sing. I'm like, cool. I'm coming back from family vacation. Let me switch my tickets. So now what I'm doing, singing in New York at the end of July, conference with Glenn. What's going on? Somebody's like, what's it about? I don't know. Glenn just told me to show up. It's my boy. He calls me to show up. I show up. And so walking through what that looks like as far as relationships concerned, you know, he needs to know I'm here for him the same way that I know that he is here for me. So with your people, the thing that I love about this is you can share your joys, your accomplishments, but you can also share your issues. So I walked through earlier saying the phrase, it's not arrogant, but it's authorized. So many times we don't like to talk about our accomplishments. So many times we feel like oh, I'm boasting in this or boasting in that, or people will think that I'm arrogant or self-centered or all of these things. But what I've realized and what I've understood is, and uh, Brian Binstock talked about it a little bit, Brian Hess, Scott Simons, they talk about it at the five o'clock hour, getting ready for Rise and Grind. Brian, Binst Brian Hess talked about it, I think it was last week, but he was like, man, let's celebrate some accomplishments. 
Let me show you what I'm doing so that you know that you can do it too. And so walking in this authority and walking in this understanding and this aspect of abundance is great. And I love it because Tamara a little bit earlier was talking about favor. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, favor ain't fair. I can't help it and understand that God has blessed me with things that he may not have blessed somebody else with. But also he's blessed other people with things that I would dream of having. But guess what? I don't have, and that's okay. And so yesterday I go to, uh, I go and have lunch with a buddy of mine. I'm sitting there with him and I am just like, one, I'm jacked because he's a, he's a friend from like high school, college years. And so he's been just doing some things. He actually was the understudy for Evan Hansen on Dear Evan Hansen under Ben Platt. Then he went on to open up a new Broadway show. Then he just got done with the filming of the Dear Evan Hansen movies, playing Connor Murphy, which is a huge role. And then now he's in Atlanta for six months doing a film and TV thing. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, wow, like this, it's awesome what you're getting to do, all these other things. Like you get to to go here and travel here and do this and all these accomplishments that you're doing. And he looks at me and he's like, yeah, bro, but you're doing big things too. And I'm like, I know I am, but I'm, I just want to celebrate you. This is awesome. And then as we're having lunch, I don't really notice it, but like every 15 minutes, somebody stops me and they're just like talking to me and I'm like talking to them. And you don't know this. I live in Louisville, Kentucky right now, but I'm from Lexington, born and raised. So I've lived there my whole entire life, except for the past like three or four years. So we're in Lexington having lunch outside and people keep stopping me every 15, 20 minutes, just saying, Hey, all these other things. And probably like four or five people in, he just stops and he looks at me. He's just like, bro, I get that you want to honor me and recognize me for all the accomplishments, the things that I'm doing, what's going on. He was like, but can I point out the fact of the matter that you've had probably four or five people stop you and genuinely know who you are by your look, even though you're trying to wear a a hat and sunglasses and be incognito, generally know who you are, genuinely love you and genuinely want to celebrate you. He was like, bro, you are, you are famous and you, you need to understand the weight that you carry and the, the aspect that this community knows you and this community loves you. And so then we started just to put in perspective and having great conversation. But then I was, uh, it, was a, it was a great conversation there, but it was later on when he sends me a text message and he's like, hey, bro, like today was great for my heart, not only to see you, not only to have conversation, but honestly to experience <clears throat> what I have been missing being quote unquote famous in Hollywood to seeing the personable aspect that you can have and you do have and how you carry yourself. And so those tribes, those people, those things, they come in different aspects in different times. But I go back to the question and I ask the question, who do you need to have, or sorry, who do you need and have you let them know lately what they mean to you? So I will open it up probably for like 10 minutes. I just want to hear some people. I don't want, uh, I don't, I don't want to, uh, I want to be a respecter of time. So I don't want a huge backstory. I don't want a huge, um, huge explanation, but I just kind of need to know who, who do you need or who's in your world that you need to potentially call today, text today, just surprise today at their work, go have lunch today, do something and let them know, Hey, guess what? You're in my world. This is what you mean to me. And I just want to thank you for it. Or I just want to bring recognition to it. Um, I'm going to say 
flash those mics and let's let's do this for like five or ten minutes. Make it happen. Joy, head it up. Started. So I love this idea of who do you need. So we went over to my dad's or my parents' house on Sunday to celebrate Father's Day. And my mom knows me. She's like, it's late. You want to spend the night? I'm a sleepy driver. So that's a whole other story. But I ended up staying over there till Tuesday, resting. And it was the best thing ever. I didn't realize, one, I needed rest. And two, just how peaceful and you know, tranquil their houses and just being in their presence. We had the best conversations and um, I was like, hey, can I borrow a hoodie? So I don't know if you, anyone saw the post I made, but my dad was like, just keep it. And I was like, you know what? I think I needed the time with you guys and I think I'm going to cherish that hoodie forever. Um, just those little things that our parents do for us, even as adults, we still need them. And if you're blessed to still have your parents with you, um, give them a call, shoot them a text. I think they were equally as grateful that I just wanted to spend time with them as much as I needed their presence too. So hug your parents if you have them. It's such a gift. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Love that, Miss Joy. Let's get some mic flashes so we can see. Um, awesome. Let's do Miss Chris. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I absolutely love this topic. So thank you, Darian and Lauren, for bringing this to us, ladies. Um, but for me, you guys, like I just am really in a place of appreciation because of what I'm currently experiencing in my life. And so three very important people who just have been showing up for me, um, my husband and two of my very best friends. And, and there's so many people, but specifically these people, because they just recently poured into me. Um, like just as as close as yesterday, like I cannot explain the level of support that these people have shown me. Um, I recently gave birth to um, my third child, my first son, and um, he is nine weeks. But over the last probably uh, for seven weeks, we were um, looking at a potential him possibly having a potentially fatal genetic disorder. God. God is awesome. And we recently, like two weeks ago, got the, um, got the information that he does not have that genetic disorder. But I would just break out in tears sometimes when I look at him because I was just concerned for his life and what his future was going to be um, and that if he would have an opportunity. And then the day after we found out that, his, that he was okay, um, my mother was rushed to the hospital and we got a diagnosis of cirrhosis um, of the liver because she's been an alcoholic for most of her life. Um, but with that, I have launched my new coaching program and launched a workbook and all of this stuff just within the last two months of giving birth. And when I just say it has been challenging to push through and to stay positive, having those people to pour into you, to pray for you, to hold you, to love you, just tell you that you're on the right path and called to do this thing, you know, that you're doing. It's just completely invaluable. So those those friends. Um, and I, I, again, I just want to give honor to my spouse for being so supportive um, during this challenging time in my life. Um, 
But yeah, I just, I'm in agreement with Joy. Just family and friends in general is so important that we acknowledge the people that are there for us. Um, and sometimes we don't hear from people that um, we know that we love. And I think it's important that we just reach out to them because sometimes they're going through things and don't know how to reach out. Um, and so, you know, let's make sure we're doing that as well. We may not hear from the people that we love all the time, um, but we want to make sure we're reaching out to those people as well, because they could be going through some things that we don't know about. I love this topic, y'all. So thank you so much for the opportunity to share. This is Chris. I'm done speaking. Chris, thank you very much. So great share and praise God for that great report over your son. Uh, we'll continue to be praying for that as well. Any others? Can we get some mic flashes going on? Awesome. Let's do uh, Jeff, the entrepreneur, and then let's go to Mrs. Debbie after that. Yeah, I, I do think um, I just want to go uh, on what Chris was saying there that I believe that in life, a lot of times, too, when we get so, you know, purposely driven on what we need to do. Uh, it's so important, the people um, that we're surrounded around, and I, I don't think we even realize it because it's the thoughts we tell ourselves when we're not there. The biggest thing I love about Breakfast of Champions is I feel like it, well, I know for a fact it, it changes my thought process. I can't tell you time and time of day coming to this room every morning, making it part of my Fab Five morning ritual to be around and hear people what they're going through, what they've come through and, and value. It's been invaluable for me during my journey of growth. Right. And I think that's for everybody. Right. So I think as we get so clear on what you do, you know, write it down every day, all, all the principles we know, but when you actually then do it and then be one thing I've been very uh, mindful of as of now is being impeccable with my word. Right. There's a book called the four agreements where they have them. One of them is be impeccable with your word. And, uh, you know, I all the time used to be very uh, cavalier and just put out what I was going to do before I do it. Right. And there's no better feeling than that, you know, calling the shot before you make anybody in basketball, you know, that, that's something, but you got to be careful and be guarded because when there's people uh, out there who maybe see a light and they want to put down, you know, maybe, maybe don't put it out there as much. Right. Cause then they're going to really try and come at you or, or hold you to it. Right. So, uh, so I, that's, I think my, personal growth too is you know really be surrounded by people be impeccable with my own word on my you know more of my actions right uh over over my words uh now and growing up which is very tough for me to say but this is like personal growth I think for everybody right so this is for any message of any person out there it's good to talk to yourself it's good to um put out positive affirmations uh there's a little you know savers thing I, I practice every morning uh that I do but I do think it's it's very powerful right uh, I know I've always been an action taking guy, but really to be impeccable with your word around the people who believe in you, who see it, who know your, you know, good heart, good soul, and really just would be there to encourage you, right? Which has been countless people in here from the Glenn Lundy himself to Scott Simons way back day to Credit Ninja, Darren, Laura, who texted me this morning, just all people like that. So I just want to say, I think it's extremely important to, uh, to be impeccable with your word around people who really believe and care for you. So I just had to add that in. Go ahead, Ms. Debbie. Thank you so much for bringing me up. I really am thrilled that, that this happened this morning. Um, about three years ago, my oldest sister uh, had a major heart attack. I was put in an induced coma for about five weeks. I was with her day and night. I put my career to the side and I was with her constantly. 
Um, after about five weeks, they brought her out of the coma and for two weeks, she was with a trach and a ventilator. And after two weeks, she decided that she didn't want the ventilator kept on anymore. It was extremely traumatic, both spiritually and every other respect, because we all had invested so much time in her health and welfare. Because of it, it brought my middle sister and I very close. And this morning, my middle sister is having knee surgery. So I wanted to come up to tell you how important family is. I really appreciate what Joy said about her dad. Joy, I saw your hoodie this morning. It's beautiful. I was on my Instagram and you look so cute with just the hoodie on. I've never head. taken it off. <laughs> it's so, such a precious reminder too of family love. And it's interesting, you know, you all kind of become family to me because I found a home where I found like-minded people, both entrepreneurially, motivationally, and spiritually. So I'm so grateful for all of you. Please pray for my sister, Linda, this morning. I'm a little shook up because she's going to have a spinal and it's kind of a big deal. These are my two big sisters, the one I lost and the one that's still here. And I really appreciate any support you can offer. But my reminder is... We have friends, we have a community, we, your vibe is your tribe, but there's nothing like family. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Absolutely, Miss Debbie. And you said your sister's name is Linda, correct? Yes, it's Linda. Awesome. Well, I'm going to take a couple seconds and pray right now. Father, we just thank you for Debbie. We thank you for the heartbeat that you have, that she has for her sister and the love, and we know that what family means. And Father, you're the great physician, and we know that you can and you will uh, do whatever is according to your will and your plan. And so we pray and we ask for that peace. We pray for that understanding and we pray for that healing for Miss Linda. Father, we thank you for just the ability to be here in community with one another. And whether we believe in you or whether we don't believe in you, Father, here's what we know is that life happens best with people. Um, you've wired us to, you've wired us and you've created us to be with one another. And so because of that, Father, we pray uh, that we can just rally around Miss Debbie as a sister uh, as she is praying for and caring for her sister. We love you. And we thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Thanks, Tom. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. 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 Thank you. So we are going to pass this on to Miss Lauren Lavender in a second, but I saw Miss Shirley Ann, so I wanted to make sure that we got her. Um, uh, got a response from her, and then I have one more thing before we pass it on to Miss Lauren Lavender. So, Miss Shirley Ann. Oh, great morning. Thank you so much. I just wanted to actually acknowledge my daughter, Trust, when you were saying individuals and people that um, we need to um, let them know how much we really need them and what they really mean to us. And I just wanted to point out her love for me and her um, compassion that she just shows toward that family at large. Thank you for doing that. That is awesome. And for myself, I wanted to make sure that I give my shout outs and my acknowledgements as well. Um, so before I pass it to Miss Lauren, I wanted to say, I, I'd already talked about Glenn uh, a little bit earlier, but I also wanted to say my wife is uh, uh, the number one support that I have in my world. She allows me to do what I do. Um, and so many times our spouses are kind of the aftermath thought because we know that they are there. We know that they love us and we know that they understand what our, what our hustle and what our grind is, what our uh, dreams and our passions and our goals are. And so many times we take that for granted. And so 
as much as I can, as often as I can, I want to honor her and just love on her. And so I, I have to make sure that I say that that my wife is one of those people that I have to continually put on the forefront of my mind because I do take her for granted because she's so phenomenally wonderful. Um, also, uh, today I'm working on uh, more of my EP and my album that I'm working on. And like those things happen because I, I was getting pushed by people like Danielle Delgado in making things uh, public, putting things out there, being a man of my word and follow through. Um, but then also like I have the quote unquote millionaires that, that we, that we are tribe that we're rolling with and people don't know this. However, you know, I injured myself on Monday and I have an audition on Tuesday of next week. And so just walking through, you know, the people in the tribe that are able to surround you and lift you up and encourage you, but challenge you is key and is huge. And so I want to make sure that I continue to challenge everybody and put that question on the forefront of our minds this morning. You know, who do you need and have you let them know lately what they mean to you? Who are you going to call today? Who are you going to text today? Who are you going to message today? Who are you just going to pop up and show up and maybe take them a blizzard? I mean, I know it's not a, the healthiest thing in the world, but what does it look like to take somebody some ice cream, blizzard. a popsicle? A I'm just saying. He said blizzard. Dr. Shapiro, if you don't. What about a puppuccino? <laughs> surprise! Why did you go to Blizzard though? That's hilarious. I, I don't know. Probably because my wife loves cookies, the the animal cookie blizzards right now. They're like the new thing that's out. So, but uh, love on somebody today. Do it in a great way. Lauren, I appreciate you. I love you. I honor you because of your heartbeat for just community and the fact of the matter that you were like, Darian, something's on your heart. Share it. I know that I got this segment. I so appreciate you honoring me and honoring the space and honoring the time and honoring the heartbeat of what this room is about by saying that this is truly a breakfast table of champions, but it's a breakfast table for any and everybody. So I honor you. I love you. I appreciate you. Miss Lauren Lavender, it is yours, girlie. Thank you. And can we do some mic flashes and some heck yes? That was amazing, Darren. I knew you were going to come in. I knew you were going to do something, but I was like, oh my God, that reflection and that reminder to just hug the necks of the people that matter most to us. Thank you for that. I needed that. And while we're on that topic, I have to, um, besides all of you beautiful people that I get to love on every single morning, there's somebody here today that I want to publicly thank and tell how much they mean to me. And that is my best friend in the whole wide world, Vanessa Marie Bradbury. She comes to my segments now every Thursday, you guys, and she doesn't even know how to work this thing. She's got a little party hat in the followed by the speakers, AKA the garden area. Um, and she comes to support, but she's been doing that for me for 20 years. So this past weekend, I got really sick. And it was terrible timing, like it always is. It's never good timing, but here we are. And she she was flying in for the weekend anyways, and I'm so excited to see her. We're celebrating our other friend's baby shower. And literally the night before the shower, I was hospitalized. It was not okay. And I, and I, and I just knew I need to call on Vanessa to help me. And sure enough, she came over 
bright and early the next day. She had a long flight the night before and was hanging out with her family. She came over the next day. She set up the whole baby shower in my house. She helped get everybody ready. She brought me Gatorades. I mean, she did the whole thing and she did it like, that's just what you do. That's what you do for family. That's what you do for friends. And so I have to say, Vanessa, I love you more than life itself. I would be so lost without you. You know this, but I have to publicly share you with my, my clubhouse family because you are so amazing. So I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Darian, because I think this morning has been really eye-opening for me. We, we're talking about kindness. We were talking about confidence with Gloria. We're talking about money with Tamara. And it so perfectly segues into what I had this morning, which makes me go, God bless America. We have this amazing collective mind, y'all. I've been thinking about something this week and I'm like, of course, that's what we're talking about this morning because we have this beautiful collective mind. So I want to talk about something that it, it affects all of us. It has affected all of us. It's probably affecting a lot of us right now. And every single one of us has fallen victim to this. So we talked about kindness. We talked about taking yourself to the next level. We talked about money and reaching out to the people that matter most to us and letting them know just how much they mean to us. But the only way to accomplish kindness and the only way to be confident and the only way to get that assurance and give that assurance to others and get some of that money is by banishing limiting beliefs. Now, I think most of us know what these are, but for clarity, I'm gonna deep dive into what these mental viruses are and how we can prescribe ourselves with education, inspiration, and motivation to cure them. The Incarnate Dictionary defines a belief as the acceptance by the mind that something is true or real. It's often underpinned by an emotional or spiritual sense of certainty. They are literally the lens that you see the world through. And a limiting belief is a conscious or subconscious theory that you tell yourself in order to meet what is true to you, with emphasis on in order to meet what is true to you. This means that limiting beliefs derive from context. So your physical, your spiritual, your emotional mental state will form your beliefs. They are multidimensional and they can be looked at like a super highway of interconnected variables shaping who you are and most importantly, the reality that you live in. And these limiting beliefs are so powerful that they influence your decisions. They define what is good, bad, true, real, and possible for you. They skew your perspective in positive or negative ways. They limit the actions that you take. They shape your character. They affect your relationships. They establish what course you will follow in life how healthy you are, how wealthy you are, how happy you are, and they will either harness or hijack who you are. Limiting beliefs are the playbook of rules that we each design for ourselves on what life is, how the game is played, and how we can win. They're the way that we process information, how we make sense of things, and how we decide to use that information to work for or against us. These beliefs are powerful but they're so dangerous. And what's so, so crazy about limiting beliefs is that they're just that. They're limiting, as in they don't allow you to be your full you. You are not fully in your potential when you have these limiting beliefs. But the most threatening part about limiting beliefs is that there is no external jury that can overrule them. Like I mentioned before, limiting beliefs can only be defined by you 
the individual who is doing the limiting. And in that same regard, that means that the only person that can overrule them is also you. If limiting beliefs are not challenged, they define who you are. So growing up, I bred limiting beliefs like I was a belief breeder, y'all. I always thought that I would be happier, richer, and more successful if or when something else happens. For instance, all I wanted was to be 16 so that I could have my license and drive and I would be so happy. And then I got my license and all I wanted was to graduate high school so I could, I could go to college. Then I graduated college. I couldn't wait to get a big girl job, got the big girl job, couldn't wait to GTFO and start a family. Then I started a family and I couldn't wait to be an entrepreneur and start my own business. It goes on and on and on. And I never stopped and gave myself the permission to be happy and successful in the current phase and state that I was in. And ultimately I look back and go, dang, I underappreciated that journey since I was so focused on the destination. Now, all I want is more zeros attached to the end of my bank account, like we all do, y'all. I keep telling myself, I will be happy when I hit this number. When in reality, I'll just keep wanting more and more and more, unless I stop, start smelling the roses, and appreciate the commas and the zeros that I have now. Now, I think a big part of this is that I'm competitive, so I can speak on that for me. I'm just a very competitive person. And the fact that I've always been multi-passionate doesn't make it any easier. I want to be the best at everything. But I do know that looking back, I never allowed myself to be the best version of myself within each phase of my life because I was just so focused on getting to the next destination instead. This is a classic case of limiting beliefs. I will be satisfied when. When in reality, I should have relished in the fact that I was at my highest potential in that moment and it was worth celebrating. Each day passing by is a higher and higher, higher version of your potential should you answer to it. And I should have stopped and celebrated the amazing trajectory that I was on. And ironically, when I turned 30, all I wished was that I could do it all over again. How many times did we hear from our parents and grandparents to just enjoy being young and yet we never ever listen? Or how many times our wise parents or mentors would say, just have fun, don't take it so seriously. And all we could say back was easy for you to say. I know a ton of my family up in here can relate, but those are the types of limiting beliefs that are so dangerous. Why? Because limiting the amount of happiness and contentment that we can have on ourselves holds us back from our greatest potential and the things that life has to offer. When I first started studying limiting beliefs, I literally thought it was just negative thoughts, which yes, I was on the right track. But the biggest aha moment from my research was from a quote by Louise L. Hay, which says, we learn our belief systems as very little children, and then we move through life creating experiences to match our beliefs. Look back in your own life and notice how often you have gone through the same experience over and over again. I read that quote and then I read it again and then I read it again <laughs> and I read it one more time and I literally felt my brain scream like I just discovered that my brain is a fraud and has been like letting me down for the past 30 years. And if that quote by Louise didn't resonate with you, it's basically saying that we create our own realities. We literally match experiences with our beliefs. We also attract experiences based on our beliefs. We adopt the same experiences over and over again 
whether we want to or not. And we do this because we are comfortable with what we know. We like to find reasons in things. So we like to sit with information. We create a meaning behind it so that we can hold on to the information comfortably. Otherwise, we panic. And again, this can be really great or this could be really, really dangerous. For example, if you have a false belief that mistakes and failure are bad, then you'll avoid many growth and learning experiences because you have to be willing to fail in order to build new skills. Another example is if you have the belief that rejection is a bad thing, you'll avoid approaching new people and you'll miss out on many amazing social or romantic connections. Now, for most of us, we don't even know that we're doing this. Some of us were taught very early on by our parents how to see the world and what to do while we're in it. And they did this out of their own limiting beliefs and their parents' limiting beliefs and so on and so forth. It's a survival tactic that has served us well but I truly believe has run its course and should have retired generations ago. But childhood isn't always the case. At any point, your mind picks up generalizations based on one or more specific events. Then it assigns debatable meanings to those events and those interpretations limit you. As a result, your mind blocks you from taking certain actions, even though the actions might be really helpful and smart for you. But the most amazing news of all about all the research done on limiting beliefs is that they can change. You can transform your thoughts from a parasite to a lion. You can transform your thoughts from a weak outlook to a strong one. You can transform them from a broke mindset to a rich one. And all of that can happen right now. James Allen wrote, belief always precedes action. Since your beliefs determine not only if but how you take action, positive beliefs are more likely to foster actions and attitudes that attract positive outcomes. And in the same vein, negative beliefs are likely to foster, excuse me, negative attitudes and actions or inaction, as in you don't even take action at all. And then that's purely because they run contrary to your desires or stated goals. And if you are in the latter half and your dreams and goals haven't come to fruition yet, it's because you're holding yourself back from it actually happening. It's that simple. Positive input in means positive output out and vice versa. It's just like food. The saying, what you eat is what you are, is the same for your brain. What you think is what you are too, and so on and so forth. So with that said, I want you to stop and take a bird's eye look at your life right now. Zoom out. Then zoom out a little bit more. Zoom out to like 5,000% and take a really, really good look at your life. Then look at your emotional, physical, mental, and professional selves. Walk up to each version of you. Stare deep in your eyes and ask yourself, are you fulfilled? If any of the four quadrants of your life respond with a no, it's not fulfilled. It's because you have an undiagnosed limiting belief that is running rampant on your life and holding your back from your highest potential. Now, usually when I give this talk to clients or anyone I'm coaching, I usually get two types of people. I get one response, which is, oh man, I can see that now I have some work to do. Or I get the other response, which is, well, no, the reason why I'm not at the weight I want to be is because keto just doesn't work for me. Or the reason I can't find the right guy in my life is because guys only like younger girls. Or women only want men who have a lot of money. Or if I hire other people, they won't care about the work as much as I do. Of course, that will sound true to them, 
They have found lots of valid reasons why that belief is now true. And they might even have tons of research that shows that men like younger women or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it is still a belief that is interfering with actually finding the right partner or the right employee or the right belief that's gonna bring you fulfillment and align with your values. So how do we identify what a limiting belief is? Because I think most of us are doing it <clears throat> and we don't even know we're doing it. Give me a second, I gotta get some water. So the quick rule of thumb is this. Anything you say to yourself <clears throat> to justify why something isn't working out for you is a limiting belief. So if you have to justify why you got a specific result, that's probably a limiting belief. The real truth is this. You are in control of a lot more of the experience that you have than you give yourself credit for. And if you want better experiences, it all starts with your mind. Another rule of thumb is if you are blaming something outside of you for the bad or unwanted things that are happening to you, it's probably a limiting belief. So some of these are, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I lose the weight, when I get the recognition I deserve from colleagues, when I'm a millionaire, when I have that shiny new car, when I get that spouse I've been dreaming of. I'll be happy when. And in the context of money, which seems to be the theme this week, save a penny, earn a penny. I never win anything. There's not enough money to go around. Everyone else gets money except me. I'm always underpaid. My spouse or the government is always after my money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But again, the most amazing news of all is that we can drop kick these limiting beliefs right now. And the way to do that is so, so, so simple. It might not be easy at first, but it's simple. All you have to do is change your mind from fixed to dynamic. Some people call this scarcity to abundant. I like to call it fixed versus dynamic. Why? Because a fixed mindset means there's nothing to challenge. There's no room for growth. There's nothing to make room for. There's nothing that we can move around and break and take apart and study and put back together in a stronger, better, faster version of you. It's fixed, so there's nothing we can do. A dynamic mindset is one that is open to challenges. It's open to finding new ways of talking and, and taking new advice and, and taking new information and processing it in a healthy and positive way to become a stronger version than who we were yesterday. So how do we do this? Well, we just change our beliefs, right? And what does that look like? How do we eradicate these limiting beliefs so we can step into our highest potential? So I'm gonna give you three simple things that I do that have really changed the trajectory of my life. Number one is change your mental tone. How do you talk to yourself every day? Seriously, don't act like you don't have a dialogue in your head or out loud like me. Yes, I talk to myself and I seriously love it. I call board meetings all the time with myself and it's pretty fabulous. So how is the tone in your head? How do you sound to you when you talk to yourself? And if you're like, oh my God, I don't talk to myself. What is number two? I'm gonna stop you right there. If you don't talk to yourself, you're missing out on your best friend. And that sounds so cliche and dumb, but I am so, so, so serious. No one loves you more than you. Your body has one job every single day and it only cares about one thing in the entire world and that's you so now let me ask you again how do you talk to yourself is it in a loving tone like how you talk to your kids or your dogs like credit ninja who has like 500 of them is it in a patient tone or is it strict and harsh and ultimately rude start a positive friendship with yourself 
so that you can have a constructive dialogue with yourself. Life is gonna get really hard sometimes. It's gonna get rough, it's gonna get bumpy. And if you start that positive relationship with yourself now, you'll be able to lean on you when you need you. Start talking to yourself mentally or physically or whatever, and do it in a loving, patient, and empathetic way. And you'll be able to handle turmoil much better than those who don't have a loving relationship with themselves. Here's a scary statistic why this works. In 2005, the National Science Foundation published an article regarding research about humans and their thoughts per day. The average person has about 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Of those, 80% are negative. You have a tremendous opportunity to reinvent your dealership today, right now, and to not take advantage of it would mean that everything that you just went through and are going through was in vain. How about instead we build something new like Kevin did in Virginia who was up 37% in April, or Mike in Wyoming who was up 90% in April, or Bob in Kentucky who broke a 60-year record this past January. All of these dealers join the 800% Club and together we continue to win. Listen, I've done this before. I've helped build a monster dealership from the inside out and now I want to build one with you. You and your team deserve it. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. And 95% are exactly the same repetitive thoughts as the day before, which means we're playing the same depressing song over and over and over again without a means to an end. And so these studies reveal that the quality of our existence rests on the quality of our internal and external communication. That means changing your dialogue within yourself from I don't have any money to I am working towards the money I deserve. That means changing your dialogue from I'll never find the right partner to the right partner is looking for me also. That means changing your dialogue from, I always lose the weight, but then I always gain it back again to, what is holding me back from maintaining my weight loss and loving myself enough to keep it off? The trick is to change the way that you speak to yourself. You need to be your own hero or shiro. You need to be your own go-to guru on how to get you what you need when you need it. You need to love yourself even if it seems impossible to do so, you need to enjoy this crazy thing called life and you are, old, you are the only person you can do it with. So build a strong relationship and everything else will be easy. So number two is write down all of the beliefs that you have and identify with and make sure they're not negative. And this is a really powerful exercise for a couple of reasons. One, writing down anything makes it much more likely to happen. And two, if you write down a limiting belief and you see that it's limiting, you're much more likely to override it with a dynamic belief that will actually come true. And this exercise means taking all of your limiting beliefs and rewriting them to be positive, abundant, dynamic mindsets that can be invested on paper and compound for you. Call it God, call it the universe, call it Oprah, call it Beyonce, call your God what you want. But whatever you believe in, there's one thing that is true. Writing something down and believing in that thought is like making a handshake with destiny. Make sure that whatever you're writing down is the destiny that you ultimately want and you are willing to dynamically fight for. And number three, the last one, is block off one holiday a month to celebrate you. 
Why are you waiting on holidays and school schedules to decide when you take off time for you? Why are you waiting until your birthday to be recognized for being alive? Why are you waiting on someone else to be available to have lunch at a five-star restaurant? I love that David or someone spoke this week about how they never have lunch alone. And I thought that was amazing, but I'm the opposite. <laughs> I love having lunch alone. Why? Because that's where I do my best thinking and decompressing. I love going to my favorite restaurant alone, getting my favorite drink, getting my favorite meal and having a conversation with myself because I'm making time for me. I'm pouring into myself and celebrating myself so that I can lunge into my goals and start conquering them better, faster and stronger than I could have ever before. And I literally think about that lunch meeting like a business meeting. I come with an agenda and I leave with action items. It's really simple, it's really productive, but it's really empowering. And if you're not a fan of that, then think about it every day like this. Every single day is a holiday. Every single day is worth celebrating. Every single day is what you make of it. You do not need to wait until December 25th to celebrate Christmas. As crazy as that sounds, it's true. And you don't have to wait until your birthday to celebrate you. Gift yourself mental health days or holidays once a month where you take the day off and do whatever you need to do to load up on self-care, gratitude, and productivity. And if you can't do a whole day, do a lunch. Do a date with yourself because it's worth it and you are worth it and you don't need to wait on anyone else or life to happen to feel important. <clears throat> Woo, sorry, getting sick has not made it easier on my voice. I'm almost done, y'all, I promise, and then I wanna hear from you. So start creating a life where you celebrate you. <clears throat> so often we celebrate the, the other people in our lives and we can't stop to celebrate ourselves. So I want you to take today to celebrate you break traditional rules, bend them, make them work for you, flip ideas upside down, <coughs> Ooh. flip them upside down, shake them out, see what you get, and start building a life that makes you excited and happy and makes you feel like you're living a vacation every single day. You know what you need. There's no reason you can't go out there and get it. So go after it. I am rooting for you. I am your number one fan. If you need help with this, please reach out to me and do it through a DM, not the phone, because I'm losing my voice. <laughs> but thank you guys so much. I only have a few more minutes left until we have an amazing guest coming up at the top of the hour. So I wanted to go ahead and hear from you guys. I want to know, how do you conquer limiting beliefs? How do you love yourself? How do you help other people? And how do you show up for yourself throughout your life? So I'll wait for some mic flashes. Auntie Anita, I see you flashing. Hey, Lauren. Good oh my morning. God. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for this opportunity. I want to first thank you for telling me it's okay that I talk to myself. Like I thought I was crazy all this time, <laughs> but I'm, I'm totally sane. Thank you for reminding me that, um, that, you know, I need to change my mental tone and how I talk to myself, how I believe in myself, just change the negative, just see myself how a lot of people tell me good things about myself, but it it kind of hits different when you don't believe or you don't see yourself as they see you. But thank you today for reminding me that it's okay, Anita, if you talk to yourself, just be a little nicer, just be a little pleasant to yourself. Lauren, this has made a huge impact on me. I thank you so much. Darren, you too. Love you guys. This is Anita, the official clubhouse auntie. I'm done for now.
I love you, Anita. And yes, of course, please talk to yourself all day, especially if you have that voice. If I have that voice, <laughs> you best believe I'm talking to myself. Hi, Bernita. Go for it. Uh, Grand Rising, Lauren. Grand Rising Breakfast with Champions. Yes, Bernita Adel here. I just thought this was an outstanding segment. Thank you so much, Lauren. You touched on so many things. So, you know, I think for me, the dynamic mind is, is super important and being uh, not only uh, a mind that is open to new information, change, shifting, but being teachable really came up for me as you were talking and being willing to step out of the molds, the things that we always tell ourselves day in and day out. And as you talk about like the neurology of all of this, it's like it's been one of the most important things that I've learned is like the thoughts that we repeat over and over anyone who, who deals with things like rumination or mild to major depressive disorder it literally creates grooves in our brains like tracks it's kind of like if you know if you have a cart on on wheels and it's been over that track so many times it takes an additional effort to move that cart out of those grooves and off of that track because it has been worn down so much and so to in order to overcome those those tracks and those grooves Everything that you touched on, I think, is so important. The, the positive affirmations and acting as if. So with when it comes to writing down the things that I want to manifest, and I totally agree, like writing it makes, makes it so much more possible. I truly believe in law of attraction. And the universe begins conspiring to bring together all of the pieces. We may not know how. We may not be able to see it. But it's such a big thing to trust that the journey is happening as it's meant to. And that we are being able to, and that we are moving in the directions that we want. But to stay focused on that really, truly comes back to self-care. We believe in prayer and meditation. I definitely have conversations with myself, so I'm right there with you, Anita. There's nothing wrong with that. And uh, I think for me, uh, particularly for anyone who has who has spent a significant time in solitude through the pandemic, or even coming out of the pandemic, for many people who are still working from home. Uh, I just would offer that in having these positive conversations with yourself, continue to make it a point, be intentional about getting out of the house every day for anyone who is able to get out of the house every day, take a walk as things open, go to a cafe to work. Uh, if you're able to get to different spaces that will just allow you to spend time in nature, uh, it helps to uh, get space for us to change the way we think. So thank you for that, Lauren. Bernita, done speaking for the moment. Hey, Lauren, I have a question. You go right ahead. Speak up. Let's hear it. Hi, Lauren. David Hill here. And I loved what you were talking about. And I can so relate to the to the thoughts. And I feel like it's a constant battle that I'm dealing with. A lot of stuff from when I was younger. Um, and, you know, like I was running and listening to you speak. And that's one of the things I do for myself is exercise, fitness, Run. I guess my question for you is you had said 80% are negative, and I so relate to that. And sometimes it's 90%. Do you think there's a point where that changes? Like you do this long enough, and all of a sudden it's it's 70%, then it's 60%, then maybe it's 50 Is that something you've experienced, or do you know anybody else that's experienced that? My name's David. I'm done speaking. Hey, David. That is such a good question. I love this question. Because part two of that stat, was 95% of the thoughts that we have every single day are repetitive. 
So when those two come together, it's like, oh, shoot, we got to be like twice as hard on ourselves to change those thoughts. So I do think it's incremental. I do think it comes through practice. And you have to be really, really mindful of what words and how you're saying them to yourself. And, and it comes over time. I'm going to mess up this number, but it's something like 66 days for your brain to adopt a habit. So I think it's going to take 66 days of waking up and literally walking through a script with yourself before your brain will adopt that as your normal repetitive thoughts that you have on repeat. So at first, it's it's taking that first step to go, okay, what are all my beliefs? Writing them down and looking at them and going, okay, most of these are not serving me anymore. Most of these are really, really negative. And then replacing those with new ones. And then step two is recite those to yourself for the next 66 days and just see the slow change in yourself. Pretty soon you'll start to feel it and you'll start to believe it. At first you're kind of like, okay, this is really cheesy and weird. Like this is uncomfortable. And that's because your mind doesn't like to change. We don't really like change. Your brain wants you to be comfortable. Your brain's like, no, we're cool. Like, let's keep doing this. But really it's not working for you. In order to get to the next level and to be more positive and do all the things, you have to do a hard reboot. You have to do a new, uh, you have to rebuild those paths and you have to tell yourself through your tone and the words that this is what we do now. This is how we think, this is who I am and this is who we deserve to be. Um, so I hope that helps. Yes, it's, it's manual, it's incremental and it's slow change over time. Um, if anybody has a hack to do it overnight, please let me know because that sounds fabulous. But other than that, that's what I know. Um, Coach, I see you flashing. Hey, Lauren. Oh, I guess, sorry. Go ahead. No no problem. Go ahead, whoever that was. Oh, my, this is Coach K. Mine is really quick. Uh, Lauren, I love everything that you said, and I love the philosophy of um, growth mindset and I learned it as growth mindset and fixed mindset. The one thing I just wanted to offer that might help somebody around this, because I know it helped me a lot, and oftentimes you learn it also in therapy, is uh, you're not your thoughts and feelings. And oftentimes you're totally right. It is negative feelings. It, it probably is over 80% or more than that for people that they're thinking negatively. But to separate ourselves from being our thoughts and feelings and really looking at ourselves as souls and spirits and we are not defined by those thoughts and feelings. So those things that are running in our mind isn't necessarily us necessarily wanting to talk like that. And if we can change it, like you said, to um, f to positive thoughts, because if we're going to have thoughts running like that, whether it's us or not, we might as well have them run as positive. But a great way that I learned to do that is one, to separate my thoughts, like, like watch it like it's a movie, separate myself from my thoughts and feelings and watch it like it's a movie and distance myself enough to see it play out so I can detach myself and be able to say something new and different to myself that's actually more positive uh, if I'm gonna have that. And really being careful about not being uh, not being stuck in the past of those those running, those, those same movies that run, but they're real negative. And you keep saying the same, same negative things. And oftentimes they are, they're attached to baggage that we have from the past. And we'll replay a conversation or we'll replay something that happened earlier that might not have meant anything, but it feels negative to us. So we'll just keep replaying that over and over. So we have to break that cycle by detaching ourselves from our feelings and our thoughts. Thanks, Lauren. I just wanted to add that tidbit. This is Coach K and I'm done speaking. That was an amazing share. Thank you, Coach. Uh, speaking of other coach, hi. Hi, Zena. What's up? 
It's not Zena's <laughs> voice, but it's my voice. I wanted to throw in real quick, because I know we're we're gonna transition, but I wanted to throw in real quick when you talk about um your your self-talk and your affirmations and you know what you're saying inside your head and how do you change the the positive the the negative to the positive. I go to Proverbs. Proverbs, if you look in Proverbs 10, Proverbs 14, there's so many affirmations that you can insert yourself in the scripture. Just for example, I'll quote a few. Uh, 1433 says, wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding. So for that, I will say, I have understanding and wisdom rests in my heart. And another one, it says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. The tongue, it's not just talking about your, your physical tongue. It's talking about the words you're saying inside your head, right? So you want that tree of life to be growing inside your head, right? And it says uh, in verse 30, it says, a sound heart is life to the body. AKA a sound mind is life to the body. If you have a sound mind, which means you're speaking the right things inside your head, it gives life to your entire body. So if you want, go to Proverbs, look at some of those scriptures and just understand that you can insert yourself into that scripture and speak those things into your life. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. The scripture is living. It is sharper than a double-edged sword, dividing the soul and the spirit, bone and marrow, everything, right? So the more you quote that scripture, the more you speak it into your life, the more you're going to see it. So that's all I had to say, and I'm done. You're going to come right. in like that, Coach, and just say, that's all I got to say? You're just going to come and say it like that? Yeah, yeah, you know, I got to go for a walk now. Well, thank you. And that was amazing. That is, yes, those are, that's very true. Um, Glenn, are you here? Are you ready to jump in or can we go to a couple more friends? Okay. Oh, I am here. Okay. Yes. 100%. Uh, I am ready. Yes. 100%. <laughs> I am waiting for my guest to arrive and she is not here yet. So if you want to continue the conversation for a few more minutes while we wait on her to arrive, that would be amazing. You got it. Okay, friends, who wants to go next? Laura, this is Dr. Connor. Oh, go ahead, Hi, Dr. Laura. Connor, and then Solana. We'll do Dr. Connor and then Solana. All right. Thank you, Laura. I'll be brief. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you just said. How do you talk to yourself? And I think that's really, really important. And I agree with you. We all actually talk to ourselves, but it's our level of awareness of whether we actually know whether we're talking to ourselves or not. And that's really kind of dangerous if we think about it, because we have to be aware first off. And just with regard to what we, what we were saying there, and a lot of people were saying, it's actually around over 90%, 93% of our subconscious is conditioning. Imagine. So we're born perfect. We're born actually with clear brains. We're born with the ability to do lots and lots of things, unless obviously medically we're unable to do things from the off. But imagine that, like, I mean, you said 66 days. It is at least 66 days, but it's usually about three to six months where we can rewire our brains. And if we think about it, like you said, taking a break, it's so, so vital to take a break. It's so, so true because we've all these, we've thousands of thoughts bouncing around our head all of the time. A lot of them dictated by this conditioning by our upbringing, by our past, by really shocking things that have happened to us that we kind of uh, just carve into our brains as being, this is the most important thing. This is the road that you have to take because of X, Y, and Z that happened in the past. But that's not necessarily true. It's just what has happened in the past. And the past, as we know, is gone. So by just even taking a break, we're breathing because we're. this is the one thing we're designed to do is breathe involuntarily. 
So when we are actually taking a break and we have no thought whatsoever, it's neither negative nor positive. So we're refueling our brain. So think of that. And if then we can address the thoughts in a more positive manner, in a more intentional manner, imagine what we could do from there. So just thinking on that, the Golden Dr. Connor. Thank you, Dr. Connor. I 100% appreciate that and appreciate you. This has been an incredible conversation. Lauren, you are a rock star. It's been an incredible morning here on Breakfast with Champions, the Millionaire Breakfast Club. This is the room where you get an opportunity to get a seat at the table with some of those that are doing the things that you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. And we're here Monday through Friday from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, bringing you motivation, education, inspiration, and interviews with absolutely incredible humans from all around the world. And we have another one of those for you right now today. So do me a huge favor, hit the plus sign in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen, invite your friends to come join us because all the way from undercover billionaire, we have the wonderful, the beautiful, and the amazing Elaine Kalati. Elaine, how are you today? Good morning, you guys. Good morning, you East Coast Clubhouse junkies up early. <laughs> <laughs> up early. We've only been here for five hours already today. I Right. You guys get up so early on, on the East Coast. Um, I uh, Thank you, first of all, so much for letting me talk to you. I love it. You guys are amazing. It's so good to hear nothing but love in the morning, really. <laughs> Well, I am so glad that you are here, and uh, my friend Brielle and I, I don't know if you've ever met Brielle. Have you met Brielle on the app before? I don't think so. All right. So my friend Brielle, she's here as well, and uh, Hi, Brielle. Brielle and I are ready. We're, we're going to dive in, put you in the hot seat, and learn more about Elaine. Are you okay with that? I'm ready. I'm, I'm up. I'm good. I've got my coffee in hand. Shoot. <laughs> Beautiful. So let's talk about what you just mentioned real quick. So you're on the, the West Coast. Uh, we're over here on the East Coast. And obviously you do business on a global scale. You traveled a bunch when you were young. Your family was military, uh, things, like, things like that. Do you think there's any advantages or disadvantages from being on one side of the country or the other? I do. I think that um, here in California, we definitely have really great weather. That's an advantage. You don't have to navigate it. Um, and I think when you have the sun and your um, and the temperature is warm, you can be a little bit more productive um, than when you're stuck inside. That can be, you know, a, a drag, especially during COVID. Um, but I've also done some math on cold climate, um, cold climate motivators. And one of the things that happens when you have sun all the time is you lose track of time because you don't have seasons. So it's very interesting. Seasons are a time marker, which happens to make us be more productive. So it, things to think about, um, how the weather affects your productivity. There's a lot of data on it. So we have our advantages, but we also have our disadvantages here in California. <laughs> that is so interesting, Elaine. I've never really heard that. So the weather really has a big effect on our productivity. And it makes sense as soon as you say it. Like I think of people in Seattle where it's raining all the time and they're down and it affects their energy. I could see that. I could totally see that. That's awesome. <laughs> Very interesting, Elaine. So let's talk a little bit. If you got, if you got, for those of you guys that don't know, uh, Miss, Mrs. Elaine, she 
started from humble beginnings and has built her way up uh, to make a, a, an incredible empire in real estate. She's designed buildings all over the world uh, and most recently was on Undercover Billionaire where she was giving given $100 in 90 days to build a, uh, a million dollar company. So Elaine, how do you go from military, design, real estate to ending up on a show like Undercover Billionaire? Well, I, I'm not, I think the Undercover Billionaire situation was serendipitous and related to only one thing and that was, you know, um, luck. I was lucky. I just was very, very lucky. We all have little tiny things um, in our lives that come into our lives where, you know, God's looking out for you. And there's a an answer to a question that's a yes. And you just have to know when. And ordinarily, I might have said no to it. And I said, yes, I, I just said, okay, I'll do it. And when I said it, I remember the words coming out like little tiny letters that I couldn't take back. It went out really slowly. I was like, okay, I'll do it. But it was during a time that, you know, COVID was in full force. It was really um, uh, scary for me. I I was watching, you know, friends that ha were normally able to pivot to something suffer terribly, small communities suffering terribly, schools were closed, you know everything it was just shocking to me and i thought well i've got to do something like i can't do nothing so that was my choice and so when you hear someone ask you something and it seems daunting take a minute and take a breath and think about what the outcome would be if you said yes because it's easy to say no and um, it, it, the opportunity is in that answer, you know, and we get asked questions all the time um, as adults to help do something or to help ourselves, um, help someone else. And they might be unfamiliar asks, right? And so it's our instincts to protect ourselves and say no, but man, take a chance on something because it, it was a real eye-opener for me. It changed a lot of things in my life to be in Fresno and to be out of my life that I'd become so comfortable with. Um, it was a reminder of my childhood. It was a reminder of how things can get off track when you're not paying attention. And uh, I can't really relate it to my military, you know, um, upbringing with my father. I can't really relate, relate my experience to me personally growing up, but I will say that I have started to say yes to things that are outside of my comfort zone more frequently because I don't want to leave this life without every experience that's afforded me. And that is the common denominator that I think I would share with everyone if I could say that out loud. Say yes, take a chance, don't be afraid. I think that's really powerful. And I like how you said it's easy to say no, right? It's easy to say no. The challenging thing, the hard thing is to say yes, put yourself in those uncomfortable situations. And, and uh, sometimes you fall down, right? Sometimes you fall down along the of way. Of course, of course. That's those are the calluses, you know, you have to have them. You yeah, know, you'll definitely. rip your hands off if you don't have some kind of history there. Speaking of that, throughout Undercover Billionaire, and, and from uh, from what I know 
um, of you or what I've read about you, um, you are a very hands-on, give me the hammer, give me the nail, I'm going to build this thing. Where does that come from? Where did you learn to be that type of uh, personality? Um, well, it comes from not to, to, to not live a fear-based life. You have to try, you have to engage, you have to try, you know, touch somebody or touch something, um, and versus being, versus observing. And, um, I, I, I have an integrated life. I like it. You know, I hug kids and sick people and my dogs and, um, if somebody's trying to fix something and they're fiddling around with it, I'm, let me try, give it to me. You're making me nuts is, is not, <laughs> it's, it comes from being a mom. It comes from being handy. Um, I think if people tell you that you can't do something, then you might grow up thinking that you can't. And, um, I guess my dad used to always say, do it yourself, you know, and uh, I thought that one of the coolest things was DIY. You remember that station that they have? I do, do yeah, yeah. I was like, well, of course you should do it yourself. I mean, that's ridiculous. Of course, try. I mean, before. Um, I think the reason to engage or pick up something too is how it's so empowering. It's so empowering when you when you could fix something or um, smash something or um, sew something or 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 help someone with something. You pick up a child or help them show them how to tie their shoes. It's fundamentally one of the coolest things ever is to teach a child to tie their shoes. It's just so incredibly empowering. <laughs> I agree with you a hundred percent, Elaine. I have eight. I have eight kids. <laughs> oh, God bless you so much. That's so amazing. <laughs> it's <laughs> very, very incredible blessing. Oh, Glenn, that's it's so that. cool. Yeah, like, thank uh, you, Elaine. Thank you. Well, and that shoe tying thing never gets old. It's just so wonderful. <laughs> I agree. For me, it's teaching them to ride a bike. When they first go without those training wheels. And I let go of that seat and they ride and the joy that lights up in their eyes and the newfound freedom. For me, that's the, that's the one that I just love to watch over and over and over and over again. That is the gleam in the eye, the gleam in the eye of independence. It's the independence mm -hmm. that shows, it shines through when, mm -hmm. when you let go of that seat. It's that minute mm -hmm. that they go, oh my gosh, this is what it feels like to not be you know, tethered. It's the incredible moment for, for children. I agree. And let's take that to, to the next level real quick, uh, down the, down that same road. So we have been talking this week in breakfast with champions. I also have a show called rising grind, which is a morning show. I do at five thirty AM, uh, motivation, education, and inspiration. And this week, every week has a theme. And this week, the theme has been money 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 which is not normally a theme that we do but that was the theme this week so you are you just mentioned you know the freedom and the glean of 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 not being tethered and so i would love for you to to dive in a little bit further when it comes to financial freedom which i i i have not reached your level of financial uh, prowess. So I'm making an assumption here and you're feel free to tell me if it's a bad assumption, but from the outside, it looks like you have financial freedom. You are financially, uh, I'm, I'm free. Would that be accurate to, to say that? Um, no, but thank you though, okay. for, for the optic of that. Um, to, 
it's we have relationships with things uh, which which most people have um their own experience with so and we learn things from our parents and we learn things from you know our childhood and we learn things from association and i have a unique relationship with money um where other people might have a different completely unique relationship with money and mm-hmm. i um hold my hand open with money always i believe that it is a commodity like coffee it is for everyone to have as much of it as they want to have and i don't hold on to it um because i feel like the one thing that's the most important misnomer about money is that money only makes more money when it's moving money does not make money sitting in a bank people think that that little bit of interest or that 401k or that little savings account is their nest egg that's my nest egg but it's fragile because it's subject to the market and the money that's making the most money is the investment money that you're reinvesting because you're putting it someplace you're letting it go you're releasing it to an investment you're taking a chance and you're going on it and this is a relationship with money that comes from not living a fear-based life so i'm not afraid of losing it all ever which is a really important part of why i invest in things and why i take chances and risk because unless my brain falls out of my head i will find a way to get it back but a lot of people don't have that confidence they don't they get money however they got it and they recognize that that was difficult serendipitous whatever their relationship with that money is and depending on that it becomes very difficult for them to let it go and if i had maybe say inherited money and never earned money i might have a different relationship with money than if i earned money and then invested money my relationship is completely different my confidence and my footprint is earning where someone inherited money well they might have also had never lived without it you have to think about all of the consequences what i thought was really fantastic is that there's um this you know flush of billionaires across the across the globe and 60% of billionaires made their money in startup entrepreneurial businesses which is tremendous when you think about it because 40% either won something or were given it right or reinvested it but did not earn that money uh in an entrepreneurial setup they they took a company or they did something separate that belonged to someone else or was given to them it's fascinating that's the lying share that's a that's enough that's the win the win is that entrepreneurial spirit and i think that to be an entrepreneur you can't hold fast to money you have to throw it out there and let it come back in a very karmic way money goes around and passes between all of us all the time and sometimes we are in the fold of a lot of money and sometimes we are in the fold of very little money the economy right now is incredibly vibrant considering that it's after covid most people are terrified what's going to happen in the economy well what's it doing right now let's take advantage of right here and now it's good spend your money invest your money and let it be part of this incredible global economy 
let something new grow. And all the people that are sitting there waiting and not investing and it's going up, they've, they're like, oh shoot, I should have, could have, would have, I didn't, why didn't I, you did what? Bitcoin, Bitcoin, oh, the scare of Bitcoin. Oh dear, we've, we've crafted something that no one understands. Really? Try to understand it. Why is cyber currency not a thing? Of course it's a thing. It's something new, but it's important. Look at countries where their currency isn't working. What's better than, than having something that they can token, that they can, that they can put a blockchain on, that they can follow something, that they can say, my box of fruit is worth $30. And it does not matter that I'm in Nicaragua. It's a $30 box of fruit. You have to open your mind and not hold on to things so tightly. These new ideas and these new platforms are brilliant and they might stumble, but they are the way that people learn and grow and the way that new economies are made. You have such a beautiful mind, Elaine. I love it. I love that perspective. I love the, the, the deep thought getting past those surface feelings of, I don't understand, or it doesn't make sense, or that's crazy. That's not the way that it always has been, but really deep thinking on things. And I love how you refer to the flow, right? Like it's an energy flow. Money is an energy flow. It's supposed to go out and return and go out and return and invest and create and grow as part of a global economy. That's, that's an incredible share, Elaine. Have you always felt these this way or did you have mentors where did you start to really dive in and look at the world in this way i i would say that i have always been this way but it took a long time for me to articulate it um my dna is is unattached to monetary things um it's my my dna is is just not I'm a traveler in my mind and I'm a traveler in, in person and things that, you know, bog me down like real estate and cars. And my dad used to say that the freest day that you'll ever have is when you give away your last key. And I didn't really understand what that meant, but you know, I could still see him fixing the kids, you know, motorcycles or broken things and always like, you know, putting gas and things and, and um, opening doors and paying for insurance. And just the more you have and consume, you know, the more responsibility you have to it, the more tied you are to it. So I think there's a part of me that um, recognizes that nothing can be quite freeing. Um, so I, I can't spend all my time worrying about it. Um, that being said, there's an existential part of all of us. The existential philosophers were much debunked in the 1920s, but the existential wealth side of us is, is not a topic that people really talk about, but really it's about, you know, how, how much security we feel daily based on our own personal skill set. Do we, are we comfortable with our domicile and feel safe? Do we feel safe and do we feel we have enough? And that's really all existentialism is, you know, in a nutshell. It's not, it's not about um, the bigger picture. It's about our own personal safety and our own personal security and our own personal, like, happiness. And 
we can't be happy when we're homeless. We can't be happy when we can't eat. We can't be happy when we can't provide for other people because people are deeply rooted in taking care of other people. We are, we are a pack, you know, and while there's individuals that don't pack well or are better off on their own, right? By nature, humans are pack animals. We're social beings. We want to talk and communicate. So if you are ostracized because the society um, doesn't accept the way that you're living your life, which might be as a nomad or as a homeless person, or if you're ostracized because of mental illness or a drug problem and you can't integrate into what's considered a normal life, it's very hard to have all the comforts in your existential needs because your your innate DNA is to be with a pack and to be social and to be provided for and to provide for. And those are those are things that are in all of us. And when I see people that are without, I, I encourage people to look at each face individually and say, that's someone's child. It's the best place to start if empathy has escaped you in business, is just remember each person individually is someone's child. And it really helps me try to be useful instead of just say, oh gosh, I wish that was better or I think to myself that what kind of a child was that person and what happened and where did it go that it got to this? And is there any way to untangle that spaghetti and really, you know, impact that person's life? Right. Right. And if you look at things like that, then it's easier to kind of let go of stuff. Right. Because we, it could happen to anyone. Any one of us is subject to one little thing going wrong. You can't live your life going, I'm going to protect myself from that. <laughs> what you're going to do is you're going to live your life and enjoy it. You're going to live your life and work hard and try to do the next right thing. And likely, if you're lucky, you'll get in that flush of money and it will come your way and you'll be able to keep a little for yourself and give a lot to other people. That's all. The, capitalism is not a dirty word. Capitalism is money and flow. It's money moving and we need that. We, we need that. We need to allow the wealthy people in the world. Has anybody watched what Warren Buffett is doing? Has anybody yeah. paid attention? I mean, if you're not, pay attention. Warren Buffett is creating wealth for others in such a unique, socially responsible way. And I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by it. You know, the companies that he's starting to purchase and what he's starting to, you know, get rid of, he's setting up this global give back that is fantastic at, in the back half of his life, you know? And I, I think it's a very interesting model. And I think we're going to see a lot of that with our very wealthy citizens as they get older and get on the back half of their lives, when they start to recognize the enormity of their wealth and what it can do for the world. And I think this is a really interesting model. Jack came forward has increased its sales by over 136%. My name is Travis Flaherty. We have seen over 55% increase 
and sales. Hey, Jeremy Nowling here. We finished our month off at not even a 20% increase, but a 30% increase. Hey guys, Sean Paul Gidry here. Now I've experienced massive increases of 156%, collectively 125%. My name is Kevin Sturisnatter. We went an increase of 50%. 50%, we went from 50 units to 75 units. So we got a 39% growth in volume. This stuff works! I'm Glenn Lundy, creator of the 800% Club. The results that we've been getting out of the 800% Club are ridiculous. Everything that you just heard all happened in the first 90 days. So I want to open this up, helping more dealers across the country. We're now enrolling for 800% Club members. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. Let's be really helpful to the very, very wealthy in being socially responsible with their wealth encourage social responsibility with the wealth of the you know top 100 guys in the world 100 gals in the world that have been so blessed with fortune encourage them to be socially responsible to invest in things that make this country great and make the global the global economy move to help put food on the plates of people that don't have it to help with shelter to help with supply chain to help with transportation and moving things, to help with infrastructure. These are the most important things that the wealthy side of our globe has to exit with. Like when they make that exit strategy, you know, that's what Warren's doing. He's Warren Buffett in a forest, a, a redwood forest. And uh, I haven't spent very much time uh, with the Sequoia or the Redwoods uh, and so um, I, I got up there and I was, I mean, I, I must have looked like, I must have looked terrified. I couldn't quite believe them. And for any of you who haven't seen a redwood forest, it's, it's like seeing the Grand Canyon or something. It's like, uh, an, uh, it's pretty incredible. So I was wandering through this private redwood forest and I went on my own because I just wanted to be in the middle of these families of trees. And so... There's five to seven, sometimes 10 in a family, and um, they grow rather close to each other, but they are so massive that you can drive a car through some of them. I, I can't even explain to you how big they are, right? And they are you know, 700 years old or 1,000 years old. And um, if one falls, the others you know, will grow around it. Uh, and it's, it's mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling because it's a tree. So I was standing there and I could, I was standing in between a family on my own and I had a, um, an experience that was kind of inexplicable. Like I couldn't really um, articulate it and it felt like energy and it felt like um, I was visiting people or things. I didn't feel like it, it was um, an experience, uh, anything less than human. And so I went back uh, to the to the cottage and had dinner and was still thinking about my experience and very quiet. And um, Tim said, "Are you?" Tim's my other half. So are you are you okay? And I said, "I just had this really crazy experience." And and he goes, "What was that? I?" Go, I can't quite I can't put it into words. I don't know what it was. And um, 
the our our host said, "Did you feel the knowledge?" And I said, "Oh my God, that was it. It was that. It was this all-knowing energy that was in the in between the family of eight hundred year old, nine hundred year old, a thousand year old trees that's just there about what time does and a tree, a tree harbored this knowledge, this feeling of like ominousness of just you wait what's to come and you have no idea what has already happened in the past. Like it, it was the most insignificant me coupled with the most empowered me for just a second. And I am still not sure what it was. And I, 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 I have to believe from that one experience that there is energy in all of us that is passed down and brought forward that is that knows how to do things that we are so much more grounded and capable than we can imagine because if that energy is on this earth it passes through all of us and i just had a second to just be there and be like, what is that? Like, where did this come from? And it, it, it's given me new inspiration and it was just a minute, but it's made me really believe that our DNA and what we're made up of and our history and our energy is, is old. It's very old. It's very, it's very grounding. I feel very grounded and very sure. And it gave me confidence. It while scaring the shit out of me, it gave me. <laughs> I that love that. I, I love it. You know, I love it because for the rest of the world, for everyone who is just getting to know you, or for those who know anything about you, I mean, you're such an icon, right? When you think of the idea that you've been an entrepreneur since 14, when you really study. Um, your path. It's kind of like that tree, these rings and these cycles of life that you have gone through. And most people go through life, but not a lot of people go through life in a way where they are literally leveling up all the time, like just consistently. And um, obviously yours was spawned through adversity, but in it being, in your drive being spawned from adversity, what would you say to the 14-year-old or even the 18-year-old you that has no idea that you are going to end up the icon that you are now? Or did you always know? Did you always know in the beginning that this was going to be um, where where your journey was going to take you? Or were you, were you not so sure? Well, the most inspiration I could ever give anybody is to remember when you were 12. Remember when you were six. Remember when you were five. I, when I was 12 years old, turning 13, my puberty was just starting, you know? Um, and I was the smartest. I was the, I was the bomb. I was the smartest person in the room. I was so smart. I knew everything about everything. It was just, that's, I literally could, you could not tell me anything. I already knew it. And 
we kind of are, you know, cocky kids, right? Oh my God, are you kidding me? But the brilliance of not having failure yet is also like so incredible because people oh. are, they're unmarked, you know, they're just, they're just like a blank canvas and they're just t soaking up all this knowledge. And there's a long period of time that you have between birth and say puberty to really impregnate your brain with um, habits and um, values of your future. And so when you're in front of somebody that's 12, you want to impregnate their brain with something delicious, beautiful, wonderful. You don't want to fill them up with all of the experiences that you might have had that were terrible, right? Those are because they may never experience them. And if they do, they need to experience them on their own. A warning is one thing, but to stop someone from being courageous and doing something that's out of their comfort zone at 12 is I think detrimental to their overall, you know, growth. I, I believe in empowerment and I, it might not always be the way to do it, but my dad encouraged me so much when I was young and I think it really benefited me. And I, and he, he must've thought I was so nuts and he never said a thing. He'd just be like, okay, all right. So you want to do what? And I would be, I think I'm going to do this. He'd go, well, okay, then let's, let's figure out how we're going to do that. <laughs> and I think I've seen it. I think I've seen it. I think I've seen it the other way around. And, um, yeah, things happen and people make mistakes when they're young and, and we have, you know, tragedy, but overall empowering someone young is the, I think the most wonderful thing you can do for someone young. And I think it worked for me. I think it mattered for me that I was empowered. I love this. Like, I mean, I hear grit and resilience, right? Even a little early in the conversation when you discuss us seeing every single person and reminding ourselves that they are someone's child, right? For for me, I'm listening to you as you always go back to the fundamentals of character and who we are fundamentally, regardless of the life experiences that we've lived, even the story with the tree going back to source and energy. Would you say that for you, the game changer is that grit and that resilience, like having that confidence in yourself, regardless of the circumstance, would you, would you think, um, do you believe that that is one of the core components or is it external validation? Like when you discussed your, your father championing you or us championing someone else, or is there something internally inside of you that just knew you can't give up? You're just going to keep going. Um, well, I'm definitely 100% tireless. Um, I, I <laughs> that's call that whatever it is. I don't know. Endless energy. Um, and I get that from my mom. She's just endless. She's 85. She's visiting me right now. Actually. She's hilarious. I took her to a club last night to listen to Tim play at the baked potato, by the way, the five, five, nine. And we did not leave until midnight and we got there for the first show. Wow. She, she absolutely had the time of her life. Um, oh my jazz club, best jazz. It was so good. And, um, and so good to be around people and so good to listen to music in a group and just live. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. uh, never gets old, man. It never gets old. 
it sounds like you have an incredible relationship with both of your parents. And I think here at Breakfast of Champions, we are we really talk about the importance of relationships and cultivating them, not just within family, but also within other people. What would you say a day in your life looks like? Right? Because obviously last night you're at a jazz club and we've we've heard about stories with you in forests or farmer's market. What is what is an average day for you? What does that look like? Um well I'm an early riser and I do think that that's important um, because that's a habit. And even if I go to bed like last night at, you know, one thirty in the morning or two, maybe even, um, which is very rare for me, especially during the week, um, I still get up at the same time. So I've taught myself, you know, to try to, to go to bed early and, and sleep well. Um, but, you know, every single day I do a couple of things no matter what. And um, I try not to speak until about eight o'clock too much. Um I think that, so this is rare for me to get on the phone at seven o'clock. Yes, I, I feel so honored. I, I know that I, Yes, we appreciate I, you so much. It's, it's hard with a global economy to not get on the phone early, but there's a, there's a method to that for me because it gives me a minute to um, enjoy my morning before I hit the ground running and to also to get my thoughts in order um, and to uh, pray, you know, and you don't have to, and prayer is a lot of things to a lot of people, but my my um, my mind prays in the morning, and and just I just go through all the things I'm thankful for and all the things I need to do, and and to make sure that I'm you know ready to do those things, and I think that that's kind of you know for me at least that's what prayer is. Prayer is like be thankful for all of these things, and what do you need to accomplish today, and how will you find the energy to do that? And I set myself in the morning, and then. Um, everybody once a day do something for your physical health. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're in a hospital bed. Once a day do something for your physical health because our temple, right, keeps us, you know, fit as I pat my 55-year-old stomach, <laughs> right? <laughs> Keep it flat. And, and it's hard because it's easy for it to get away from us. So you, if you have that habit of doing something for yourself, um, um, in your physical health. And then I, I think there's this one thing that's really important because all, a lot of us, um, live on the, um, affirmation that we get from others. And I, that's tricky because, um, there's, this, everybody's been on a plane and the stewardess gets up or steward gets up and says, you know, listen, um, it, you know, if we lose a cabin pressure, right, this oxygen mass is going to fall down. And um, you're going to put that on yourself first, right? And then you can assist others. And the logic behind that is, you know, tried and true. If you are not getting all the oxygen that you need, you are going to be of no use to anyone, let alone yourself. And it's critical that you take care of yourself first so that you can take care of others. If you let yourself go, you're never going to be the arbor of others. It's not possible. You have to take care of yourself first. And it's not selfish and it's completely mindful that you are taking care of yourself mentally and physically. And then you can be really a big asset to others. So every day I do a little something for myself um, and then I eat well 
and I take care of what goes inside of my body. If I do something bad, like eat chocolate cake or drink, I usually make it up for a couple of days so that I can, you know, lessen that carbon footprint of bad health. Like I'll just eat vegetables for two days and drink a lot of water or something. So disciplined. Yeah, disciplined. You know, you have to be disciplined. You can't, you know, I'm not a lazy person. I, I, and I, and I don't, and it's one of the few things that I loathe is the I can't mentality, you know, I'm like, and I know that people get exhausted and they get there, but, um, you can't be like that every single day and then blame anyone but yourself, right? You have to have a way out of that. And that's, and if that's your problem, right, that you're lazy, you have to face that. If you say, okay, I'm a lazy person. That's just a problem I have. And I have to like work on the discipline of not to be lazy. And I have to do a couple things each day until I'm eventually less lazy and I'm more motivated and that will help. And don't do things that take all your time, like backgammon on your phone and gambling. Like, what are you doing? Like separate beans or something or go <laughs> do something remedial, help someone, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, don't do something that takes all of your time because it's so precious. You know, it's very, very valuable. I remember going into call my college uh, lunchroom at, at, at ASU, and everybody's watching like, um, what do you call it? One, uh, one life to live. Now, for most of you young people, soap operas were all we had back then. That were like, you know, people would watch them, and they had at ASU in the lunchroom. They had these TVs, and they would like have it up there and everybody watched it. Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, it's, I'm, I am based at, <laughs> a, I started my college career at ASU. So I didn't know you went there, but definitely a Sun Devil. So if you, so you remember this like thing and I was like, what is everybody doing in here? Like, what's such a waste of time? Like, go outside. But, but that can happen. You know, I mean, TV is, it's time consuming, right? Video games, time consuming. Our devices, time consuming. So if you have some downtime um, and a day in a life of Elaine, I, you know, that's not my go-to. Like I get off this thing, you know, um, because it's it's time consuming and it's not really like unless you're learning, you're on a learning tool. It's not really like super productive. It can really be the black hole of time in your life. And you're like, oh my god, Zoom can be the black hole of time. No doubt. Zoom, man. Like, what are we doing on this huge Zoom meeting with 10 people across the globe? What's next? Right, right. Elaine, you're you're spot on. Uh, I actually did a little research on this uh, for the series this week where we were talking about money. And, you know, on average, people spend four hours a day on average watching TV, two hours a day uh, scrolling, you know, seven hours a day sleeping. So... There goes thirteen of your hours, right? Then, uh, then your your eight hours. Whoa! Yeah, there's thirteen of your hours just sleeping, scrolling, and watching television. Um, oh for God. the average person here in America, it's crazy. But I love that you talked about the uh, morning routine. You're talking to the morning guy. Morning routines are my thing. I actually wrote a uh, I wrote a book uh, called The Morning Five: Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Life. And you basically just broke them down. Like step one, no snooze. Step two, no phone first thing in the morning. Step three, write down your gratitude and goals. Step four, take care of the physical, get that body in motion. And then step five, release that energy out into the world by sending out some type of an encouraging message, whether it be a text or a Facebook message or a sticky note for your child or breathing life into a loved one. 
um, but releasing that energy into the world. So you and I are so very much aligned and I want to be very conscious of your time. We have two minutes left and I would love to put you on top of a mountain. Just imagine you are on top of a mountain and all of civilization is at the base of the mountain. Seven billion people and they're cheering your name. They're going, Elaine, 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 You are badass. Cheering <laughs> for you, right? They're cheering <laughs> for you. And you're up there, everybody. And somebody walks over and they hand you a microphone and they say, Elaine, you have two minutes, two minutes to drop it on them. Practical application wisdom, something they can apply in their life today, this week, this month, this year. What are you going to tell them? I wouldn't need two minutes. I would just say, be kind, everybody. Please be kind. Be kind. It's mm. the, it's teach your children kindness. Be kind to others, man. Be kind. It's a, it's not, it's the, it's the way forward. Be kind. I love it. I love it. Two word mic drop. Can we get a flash of our mics for Mrs. Elaine? And this incredible oh, thank you guys so much. Yes. Thank, yes, thank you. Gonna, I'm going to turn on the hand raiser. If uh, Elaine touched you today, go ahead and raise your hand. We can give her a standing ovation here in our breakfast with champions room. That was absolutely incredible. Uh, thank you to Brielle as well for the insightful questions and conversations. Uh, Elaine, you are amazing. What is something, as we let you go here, how can we best connect with you? How can we serve you? Uh, how can we, how can we uh, reciprocate some of this energy and incredibleness that you've given to us this morning? Well, I, I would love, this is what I would love from all of you, if you would just please um, keep an eye on Lipstick Farmer, which is my Instagram. I don't do a lot of social media, but I'm on Lipstick Farmer. We are working on supply chain for small farming um, through a train business, which is about to launch, um, I would say, October-ish. And um, any, any of you that care about what you eat and care about how, where it comes from and how it gets to you, this is going to be a very interesting platform to watch come forward. I'm trying to uh, make a business out of something that people have told me for many years, it's not profitable. It will never be profitable. And I say, that's not true. Farming can be profitable and it should be, and um, we should be paying more for the food that we eat. And we should be giving away every single thing that we don't eat to people who need it. And it's, it's a lot. It's, it's half of what we grow. And um, I want you guys to keep an eye on Lipstick Farmer as, as, with more to come. We'll be announcing the 559, which is the area code in Fresno, by the way. And um, we're going to talk a lot about food and sustainability and moving food for small farming and feeding people that can't afford to eat with our waste in this country, which is tremendous. And um, I want you all to just, if you would just join me in that, that would be, that would mean the world to me. I, I love, it. love it. And we can do it. Everybody right now, you're on your phones. Go ahead and go to Instagram. Go to Lipstick Farmer. I just did. I saw Elaine hosing off a large hog. Uh, very large pig. <laughs> that's Poppy. That. <laughs> that's a very, that's a huge hog right there. She's, she's incredible. <laughs> she scared me, but I washed her anyway. <laughs> Guys, the best way to get there is just click on Elaine's head. And then we're going to go down to her Instagram. And I'm watching it go up so far. We're looking at about 70 people who just joined, but there are so many more. There are hundreds in this room. So what we're going to do is we're going to click on her head. We're going to go to Instagram and give her some of that social digital currency, right? It's free. We're supporting her. And she gave her 
us her amazing time this morning, which is so much more valuable uh, Thank than you anything. Thank so much for that. I, I, it's so wonderful to have people like see. I promise you, I won't like I won't bore you on Instagram with stuff that's not interesting. We're not <laughs> concerned of that at all. There's nothing boring about you. You are a light. You are an amazing human being, Elaine. Uh, clearly, you know, I believe that we are children of God, the God of the universe, and that God has made uh, you and I to be the best versions of ourselves that we can possibly be, ultimately, so we can go out and make an impact in other people's lives. And you are stepping up to that challenge. You are shining your light, stepping into your greatness every single day, and really making an impact on this planet. And I, for one, absolutely stinking love you for that. I do. If nobody oh, told you that, thank you so much. I love you, Elaine. Thank you for who you are. You're amazing. Thank you for having me on. I'll come on anytime. This was awesome. Awesome. You are awesome. A rock star. Thank you, Elaine. With that said, we're going to be shutting down today's room. This is Breakfast with Champions, Millionaire Breakfast Club. Make sure you blow Elaine up. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.